get it going. It's time to get up. Eugene Hopkins right wing down low for Dreisaitl in front. McDavid all alone. He scores. Connor McDavid with the hat trick goal as it looked like Demko made the first save. But McDavid follows up. These guys are here to break it all down. Oh, uh, yeah, he was good. <laughs> Exceptional. He's one of the best players in the world. So he uh, definitely played well tonight. He was a big part of the game. And uh, you can count on the, the other team raising their game the next game. And I just thought we didn't quite raise ours enough. Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. <laughs> Not a big deal. This is the starting lineup with James Zabalski and Perry Solkowski. Rise and shine, TGIF, everybody. It is Friday, January 15th. What's up, Metro Vancouver? This is the starting lineup here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. James Sabalski here. Perry Solkowski there. Greg Ballack on the other side of the glass. Kicking it with you until 9 o'clock this morning here on Sportsnet 650. And Per, Canucks Twitter, right? Everything's great. Nothing's great. I love my life. I hate my life. It's kind of basically what we just saw over 24 hours. Yeah, it's, it, it is predictable. At least we could know that. It, hey, there's nothing better than an opening night for fans, for hockey players. Day two, same team. You need the energy, and we realize that it's going to take some time. But I'll tell you what, I, if you watch it just as a pure hockey fan, I don't have an issue if you've got to watch all your Canucks games and you love them that you get to see Connor McDavid 10 times. First two were pretty good. Oh you know, gosh. take what it is, split it. But 120 minutes of watching Connor McDavid play hockey, if you just enjoyed the game, I'll sign up for it. Yeah, I, I don't know if Alex Edler would. No. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm not sure uh, Nate Schmidt would necessarily want to sign up for that. Uh, but nevertheless, you know, Connor McDavid on display last night, just reminding everybody why he's he's the best player in the world. In the world. Um, and and the best player of his generation right now, you know, it's just, you know, that guy just has a different gear when he gets clocked at, you know what, you know what stood out, like he gets clocked at what thirty seven kilometers an hour at one point, flying through the ice and just catching all those Canucks, you know, standing still when a guy's just whipping through. But what stood out to me was he was still going twenty k by the time he slowed down and got in front of the net in front of Thatcher Demko and ripped it past him. Like you're still going 20k, like that's still going with some pace, and to there be able to rip that by. There's an awful lot of hockey players that were fast, right? That could just skate, but then it, and he probably goes to Pavel Burry, maybe being the fast going. You know what? This guy can skate as fast with the puck um, as he can without. And Connor McDavid is that guy. Yet another gear, faster than Pavel has ever been, and yet his hands and his brain, he figures out where he's going. Right, has never ever slowed down. I, I don't know how you change it. And, uh, listen, you, you don't like watching that goal if you're a Canucks fan, but you go, "Wow, they weren't expecting." What it reminded me of, I know, James, you've had an opportunity as have I to get on the ice with NHL players, and and you could take fourth line players, and you may think, oh, "I played midget hockey, I still play men's league, I can play," and then you get on the ice with the NHLers and guys who you would go, "Ah, oh, these guys deserve seven, eight minutes," and you play hockey with them. I remember the first time I was on the ice, and it was with some of the Oilers. And you'd go, okay, no, I'm ready to go. And they would take two strides, and they were flying by you like they were Conor McDavid. Oh, God, these guys are fast. So you take the best player in the world against the other best players in the world, and he's on a different level. You have to admire how good that is. I, I played uh, a game of shinny with the Canadian World Junior Team 2011 and playing on an outdoor rink. <laughs> and, you know, I've got my head down and, and – 
pushing as hard as I can, and these kids are just, you know, two strides. And they all tried to feed me passes, and they just, my stick just, everything would just turn to mush, right? It's where offense died. But Connor McDavid, yeah. you know, and it, you're right. Like, if you've ever played hockey, even somebody who played in junior or somebody who maybe had a cup of coffee in the minors, you know, there's yeah. just a different level to those guys when you step out onto the ice and somebody who played a higher level that just kind of shows that gear. But, you know, McDavid just, you're talking about the best league in the world, and he just, he took over. And a day after getting shut down on his birthday, and you knew this was coming, though, Pear. Like, you knew this was coming that, you know, the Canucks held him off the score sheet for one night in the opening night. He still had his chances, but not last night. And and you know what? The Canucks had no response, particularly from their power play going 0 for 8. I mean, you got to be better than that, right? I mean, if you're going to look at the tail of the tape between the best player on the Oilers and the best player on the Canucks, I'm going to say that the Edmonton guy, McDavid, was better than the Vancouver guy in Pedersen. Uh, yeah, I don't think Pete had been very good in the last two games, to be honest with you. Made a really smart pass to Brock Besser. What the Canucks needed yesterday was a little bit of emotion. If you're not going to win it in skill, and skill being a power play, and they weren't, you needed a spark somewhere. And and if you look at this team and go, so who's my spark when we kind of got our, 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 our skates are in the mud? Well, I've always been a, you know, Zach McEwen guy. Give me a spark. Hey, man, didn't notice him in the, this series against Edmonton, uh, you know. Jake for Tannen, Jake for Tannen. I don't want to go into it. We could talk about it for three hours in an opportunity that he had. It's Jake for Tannen. I think we can be challenged to look at his career and go, when did he have a first couple of weeks of the season that he actually did anything? It was a game to me that craved a JT Miller just because you remember down the stretch last year when they needed something, it would almost be JT Miller that would will a puck into the net and say, guys, let's go. Um, they didn't have that yesterday. And, and you're right. I, I think Pedersen's going, okay, let's get out of Edmonton. Didn't like that. And, uh, you know, I'm sure he'll put on a show one of these games. It was pretty much expected because uh, as Ian McIntyre spoke with us, you know, to be honest with everything about the win on on Wednesday, he said he didn't think Pedersen was that great. And he was no better yesterday, too. So play it, forget about it. But to think that you're going to go back to back and these series might be too much, man, I'm I'm loving this. I'm loving the fact that we're going to go back to back and see these changes and see who can do what. But if you lose that first game, man, the importance of a back to back in the second is to get the win. The Oilers did it. Here's what we got coming up over the next three hours. Uh, Ron McLean from Hockey Night in Canada will drop by uh, just after 7 o'clock. He's back on our Friday mornings. Uh, we'll also catch up with the voice of the Vancouver Canucks here on Sportsnet 650 as part of your Canucks commute. Brendan Batchelor uh, from Sportsnet 650 will uh, drop by for the conversation a little after 8 as well. We'll try to pick you some winners uh, this weekend in the NFL playoffs as well. Four big games and four really good matchups as well. Steve Rapp from Sports Interactions Inside the Lines will join us in about 10 minutes from now. Uh, and much, much more. Uh, 650-650, the Dunbar Lumber text line. Get your submissions in now, Canucks, and a song. We'll start hitting the music coming up at the bottom of the hour, but what song best sums up last night Canucks game? Uh, Want to hear from you. 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. At Sportsnet 650 is where you can also find us on Twitter as well. Um, you know, there's a couple different ways to go to, uh, to di- dive in here. Travis Green not really pulling any punches last night. I, I think the one thing that uh, listening to Travis first and foremost here, Pear, you know, you look at the McDavid show that was in full effect last night, but Travis also alluding that last night, special teams, a major difference in this one here, according to the coach. Well, that was a big part of the game. They get two power play goals, and uh, and we didn't. So that was uh... – that's a good power play. It's hard to shut them down. Uh, 
obviously McDavid had a big game tonight as well. So there's 0 for 8 with the man advantage last night, 0 for 2 on opening night. You've played 120 minutes now of the regular season. Still a small sample size overall, but you've genera- you've yet to generate a goal with the man advantage in 10 power play opportunities right now. Uh, it's tough to win a lot of games. I mean, you can hope to have all the even strength goals all the time, but generally special teams dictates who wins and loses most nights in the National Hockey League. It does. I, I wouldn't be concerned simply because uh, there's been no times where I've watched the power play and said, boy, they've, they've got no control over anything. They move the puck well. So I, I think it's going to take a while. You're going to have to get into a serious slump before they go, okay, we don't have anything here. Um, some broken sticks, uh, one-timer by PD. That's not going to help the situation. Yeah. I think they're almost in a sense, you know, something that the Edmonton Oilers had sometimes. They've got so much talent on that power play that if you pass it around too much, you go, you know what, maybe simplify it. And with the skill that the Canucks have and how they can move it around, um, they're maybe looking for that perfect Hall of Fame power play goal. Where it's like, okay, we're going to get ugly again. But to Travis's point, if you're going to lose the power play battle to nothing, you're likely not going to win too many games, and it's going to be tight checking. And when you work hard and you get that opportunity, you're going to have to take advantage at some point. I'm just too early for too early for everything. Too early for me to go, man. You, you didn't score on, against Edmonton on the power play to be concerned. If they couldn't get into the zone, if they looked like it was a mess, I'd have more concern. But uh, two games in, James, I'm not going to. I'm not going to lay it to feed the special teams. No, uh, an easy scapegoat for a lot of Canucks fans last night was Jake Vertanen as well, quickly removed from the lotto line or the top line, if you will, uh, by Travis Green. Jake only playing 10 minutes. Here's the method to the madness from Coach Green. Uh, the line just wasn't doing anything. They, were, they weren't playing very well. They were getting – couldn't get away from the matchup that easy. Uh, David's line was – Spent a lot of time in our zone, so we tried to change it up a little bit. You know, it's it, it's easy to sit there and, and kick Jake in the A-double crooked letter pair because, I mean, we, we've done that. And, you know, Ian McIntyre in his article this morning here on Sportsnet.ca pointing out plain and simple, Jake is just not a top six guy. He's not a top line guy. Um, but, you know, it's a night like last night that, hey, the Canucks, it wasn't an issue on opening night, but it was last night in the absence of J.T. Miller, who – remains in COVID protocol right now with the National Hockey League. And it was reported by Sat Shaw last night that maybe Miller, we might get some clarity on this later today, that the possibility of Miller returning to the lineup next Wednesday at home against the Montreal Canadiens. But, you know, that was that was the hole on this team, I think, that was most glaring when Tyler Toffoli left, right? Um, you know, who's going to fill that void in the top six? And it was apparent last night, with JT Miller out, where's the depth in that top six that can slide in there? And for all the talk and the the hope for some people that Jake could maybe be that guy in the offseason, Jake not that guy, at least with the two-game sample size to start the year. Yeah, we've spent four years wondering and trying to push him. No, you can do it. You can do it. And then we're sure I'll try again. Um, I, I don't think we can base anything on the early five, ten-game portion of Jake for Tannen's seasons. But he's had seven not... years, right, Pear? Like, it's been almost seven yeah. years since they drafted him in the first round of 2014. Like, it, you can't say he hasn't had his opportunities. That's exactly it. So at some point, do you go, no. What, right, right now, you don't have any other options. What I will say, and even in the loss and the glaring terrible shift, is again, I, I thought early on, I thought Nils Hoaglander was fine. Like, uh, this, this guy 
even when the team's not going well, belongs with the work ethic. You are going to see mistakes. It was glaring yesterday. So I'll take this as a sigh of relief. Going, where are you going to fill the void? Yeah, they, they don't have much to fill that void if they're not all healthy. But, um, you know, at least it's not two spots. Going, okay, you lose an injury, plus you still don't have anything with Bo Horvat. And I'll say this, and Travis Green talked about it. Okay, so there you go. You thought going in that PD's line could go head-to-head against the best. Maybe they're not there yet. Maybe they're pushing them. Maybe maybe it's got to be Bo best on best all the time right now before you go to PD because, um, you know, as much as he missed JT Miller, you still thought number 40 could do a little bit more. Yeah, no, I, I look, and, and it's like we said just a few minutes ago, you know, Connor McDavid was the best player far and away last night on the ice, and he was a threat in the opening night. Um, but, you know, he was held off the score sheet. He, he still had his chances. But if you're going to sit there and look at the tail of the tape, and the two guys who were going to garner some consideration, at least in the eyes of many experts in the National Hockey League that were on the ice for the Canucks and the Oilers in the last two nights, who would consider getting Hart Trophy votes, possibly? Mm-hmm. You know McDavid's going to get some. Pedersen was seen as a bit of a long-shot odds for, to garner some of that consideration. You could have put money on PD to win the Hart this year. But I'll tell you what, like round one goes to Connor McDavid. And I don't think that's even close. Oh, that's how Sportsnet opened up the show, right, on Wednesday night. Here you got You got McDavid. You got Pedersen. And, and the thing is, it's uh, you, you may, I think he is can, and will be considered a Hart Trophy candidate. I'll also bet money that he's going to show up, whether it's tomorrow night or something, he's going to get into a group. I had suspected we were going to see some sloppy hockey for a while. And I think yesterday it got a little bit sloppy. The adrenaline wasn't there. And timing maybe is not there. And how could it be? These guys haven't been in great game situations. So, you know, Wednesday, it's great. People are thinking, I don't know, who are they going to lose to? You know, they're going to handle the Oilers like that. They're going to be okay. (laughs) Uh, You knew it was all going to balance. And whether they're good or bad against Calgary, um, I like the chances of most teams. And to me, James, it's the importance to think, okay, what would be going on in Edmonton right now if they lost last night? You'd be freaking out. And the same thing, Montreal comes in here next week, and if they run roughshod over the Canucks, my goodness gracious, you can't afford to lose six points to the Canadians. You're never going to catch that up. Fact is, you won't. Man, you got to make sure you split these things or at least get one of them in a series. And no, no, there's okay, you're in it. You're in it. You're going to jump on the plane, and the Canucks will play a first time since what? It'll be 10 months that they're actually going to play a hockey game in a different building than Edmonton. And I think they need that. You know what? Just more urgency by the Oilers. You know what? In the grand scheme of things, if you're the Canucks, you take a split on the road, but. You know the Oilers just showed way more urgency, and now and and they look again. They missed J.T. Miller last night. Like that was that was evident last night. Now J.T. Miller could have been possibly available had the National Hockey League players benefited from Charles Barkley's hot take idea last night. Pear, can I share this with everybody? That I mean, this was maybe the hottest take that we've heard in sports in a long time. But here's Sir Charles last night on the NBA on TNT panel. We need. 300 million shots. I've given 1,000 to some NBA players. What about what about NFL? NFL. I'm just going to raise it. NFL players, hockey players. Uh, listen, as much taxes as these players pay. Let me repeat that. As much taxes as these players pay, they deserve some preferential treatment. Well, uh, for, for life and death? Yes. The, the amount of money you make. Uh, no, no. I said taxes. The amount of, I didn't, I didn't say the amount of pay. money you make. Well, that's, I'm that's, saying, that's no, on no, taxes. That's I'm saying the taxes. amount of taxes these guys pay. 
That'd go over well, right? America, my friend. <laughs> Home of gated communities. The haves and the have nots. We can get your vaccination shots. Everyone, please bring your T4. And we will go that way. Oh, man. I love I love I love me some Charles. Like he was spinning the tires there yesterday. Yeah, I love I love Charles, but man, that was that that was like a Walker that's like a Walker tweet. Like that's something Walker would probably throw out there and just put that into the universe. Probably won't hold up very well. Nevertheless, you know it wouldn't be an issue for the Canucks for JT Miller if Sir Charles had his way in terms of the decision making. JT five and a half million. You're in. <laughs> right. You're good. You're good. <laughs> Vancouver Canucks are not going to be that good this year due to the fact that most of their best players are entry-level contract guys. They won't get vaccinated till when the season's over. <laughs> All of a sudden, the Leafs' chances of winning are that much better. Thornton and Simmons leading the way. Yeah. Oh, my God. Mar- Mar- I mean, you know that Marner and Matthews would certainly take high priority, you know, for yeah. sure. Oh, those cap hits, John Tavares. Oh, my God. They'd be right in the front of the line getting those vaccines. Money shots. and age, right? Money and age. So <laughs> you got the money um, guy, goes yeah. old enough. <laughs> McDavid, obviously, right at the front, you know, with his $12 million cap hit. Uh, hey, continue to get those submissions in. A lot starting to pour in already for your Canucks and a song, uh, 650-650, the Dunbar Lumber text line. We'll hit those in just a few minutes. Uh, also, a huge weekend in the National Football League with the divisional playoffs. Four games on the slate, two Saturday, two Sunday, and here to look ahead to the weekend and try to get you paid is Steve Rapp from Sports Interactions Inside the Lines. TGIF, sir, how are you, man? Good, good, gentlemen. How are you guys doing today? I'm good. These are great matchups, aren't they? Uh, yeah, it's a really great match. One of them uh, I'm looking forward to a little more than the other one. I think Baltimore-Buffalo is going to be a great game. But, of course, yep. uh, listen, history and the history uh, being made, and I'm not going to be the first guy to say it on the History Channel, uh, with Tampa Bay <laughs> and New Orleans on Sunday night. So some uh, interesting games. Inter- a lot of, it should be a lot of fun. Yeah, and, and Steve, that's how I would categorize it. You know, I'm always excited. Okay, what am I going to do this week? And a couple of these I don't even want to touch. Um, the first one is the Rams and the Packers to start it off. I'm pretty comfortable, despite watching closely, to see how Seattle was swollen up by that Rams defense. And I guess we wonder how healthy they are. I don't know. I, I'm pretty comfortable saying Aaron Rodgers, before you go host Jeopardy, win some football games. What do you see that one doing out in Green Bay? Yeah, and that, uh, that would be the uh, public way of looking at things. So uh, Green Bay opened as a seven-point favorite on that frozen tundra of Lambeau Field. And like I said, while the public are always going to love Aaron Rodgers at home in the playoff, uh, those, that number does verge on hitting six-and-a-half now, total 45-and-a-half. And, and as you're saying, Perry, why wouldn't you like the Rodgers at home? He's 61-35-4 against the spread at home in his career. He's 10-5-1 coming off a bye. In his, uh, bye. He's also, when the line moves against him, which it has now, teetering on 6.5, he's gone 60-37-4. It's almost like he takes it personally. But I just can't help sticking to the, my guns here. This is what I've been doing all season. Best defense in the NFL taking points, and a good bunch of points either. Uh, as well, we're in January. It's going to be cold. What better time for a defense to win a game? Uh, Rodgers and Devontae Adams have looked untouchable. But I'll tell you, Jalen Ramsey has shut down every number one wide ride receiver he has faced this season. And that list yeah. is impressive. It includes DK Metcalf three times, DeAndre Hopkins twice. You're going to throw in a Diggs. You're going to throw in an Evans. And, you know, you get my point. 
You might also want to be concerned with how number one seeds have performed against the spread the divisional round, 9, 17, and 2 since 2007. So, Perry, you're right. The naked eye will tell me that Rodgers at home against an average QB with a broken thumb and freezing conditions. Handicapper in me says, fade the public here. Take the best defense, taking a touchdown. It's been working for me all season. I just got to stick to that, that handicapping trope. You know, I I would say uh, I completely disagree, but after going over in every single game last weekend, uh, maybe I should listen to you. I just question. You know, you know they the, say you're due. You're due. <laughs> yeah, at some point, one of these due. days, my man, one of these days. Uh, I, yeah, I just I just don't know how golf keeps up with with Rogers, and and I'd be curious what the health status is for for Aaron Donald. That I'm sure he'll play, but you know, the fact that the guy was on the sidelines quiet. Uh, critical quiet juncture. this week, hasn't yeah. it? it, is, it his, health, his, his health status has been pretty quiet. He's uh, upgraded to probable, obviously. He will play. But there ha- I haven't heard much talk about, about him, and he did. Uh, you know, he definitely didn't look right at the end of that game last week. Yeah, I, listen, I, I think he'll play. I think I had saw something that if he needed to go into that set in Seattle game, they could. I, I think the Packers win, but I agree with you, Steve. I don't think they win because of Devontae Adams. I think it's Aaron Rodgers and those those casts of others, the tight ends, and, and, and um, Valdez Scanley and, and other guys going, okay, you got to make a play because Jalen Ramsey is not going to be involved in this game. Yeah, you're right. You're you're gonna have you're gonna have it's gonna have to be other guys for sure. It's a good defense too. All right, so we we look to the other Saturday night game, and and this one's fascinating. I mean, two teams that are absolutely on fire right now. The Bills have won ten of eleven. The Ravens have won six straight. Um, how do you see this one playing at uh, in Buffalo this weekend? Yeah, this is the one I'm going to be looking forward to. I mean, this should be just fun to watch. Yeah, uh, Bills have been as much as a three-point favorite here, guys, as low as a two-point favorite at Sports Interaction. It's now sitting two-and-a-half minus 20, uh, which means it looks like money's now coming back to the Bills. But it's really been a, it's really been a seesaw here. The public's pretty much split. Uh, more tickets have been on the Bills, slightly more money on the Ravens. That looks like it's switching around now. Uh, like I said, most exciting game of the weekend in my books. Uh, a lot of talk this week about how the Colts were able to go through the Bills' defense last week with ease, and that doesn't bode well against Lamar Jackson right now, who seems to have an extra gear on everybody else. Ravens just ran for 236 against the Titans, so the Bills are going to need to step it up here. Um, there's also the fact that under Harbaugh, uh, Baltimore is 10-3 and against the spread in road playoff games. They've won five straight as road underdogs, uh, but... I don't know. This is a gut one for me. One week and people seem to forget that this was a pretty explosive Buffalo offense uh, for the eight weeks prior to last week. Uh, and I should I should say it should be disqualified from any, making any picks because I haven't got a big that Bills right this season at all. But I think they got lucky last week. They had their jittery playoff game. They mm-hmm. did not look well. They somehow got out of there with a win on a very average performance. I think they should bounce back in this one. I, I think that they've got that win. The jitters are gone. And it could be the last team with the ball has gets the win. I'm going to lay the points here with the Bills. You wonder uh, how much weather's going to play a part. I thought I read something Lamar Jackson saying, I've never really played in the snow. We are in the middle of winter. They up in Buffalo. I have not looked exactly at the forecast. But, um, I mean, can that eliminate Lamar Jackson? Because he struggled a little bit last week until all of a sudden, it's, you know, I'll, I'll take off. Because if I'm running, you can't stop him. But can you stop him if the weather doesn't allow him to get out of the pocket? Well, I, I do believe that they are calling for some snow on Sunday. But, 
I don't know. I look at it the other way. There's a guy with a different speed than everybody else, and he knows where he's going, and the other guys don't. So right. I mean, I don't, I don't really see how that that slows it down. You know, try to stop a speeding car on the ice. It's it's kind of tough to do. So uh, I'm not sure how much I, you would think that that's going to help the better running game, and you would think that better running game belongs to Baltimore. So I'm not sure Snow really plays into the Bills' hands if that's in fact what they were looking for. You know, I, I like the Bills too, and, and after kind of looking at it and. You know, it's easy to sit there and say, okay, hey, you know what, the Ravens are back. But you know what, Steve, I'm with you on this one. I, I think we overlooked – I think the Bills were a little jittery in their first game and what, however many years to finally win a playoff game in a quarter of a century. But they've won seven straight. They've won 10 of 11. And you know what, Josh Allen is not Ryan Tannehill. You know, I, these two teams are on fire right now. But, like, look who the Ravens have beat in the last, what, five games. You know, four of those wins coming against Cincy, the Giants, Dallas, and Jacksonville. Like, Lamar's a legitimate threat, but I think the Bills are going to KC. And they they didn't beat a great defense in in Tennessee last week. And and, uh, listen, let's not forget that only two weeks ago, the Bills were coming off winning eight straight and crushing the cover number by like 14.8 points. Smashing it. Yeah, yeah, I don't understand where everybody kind of forgot about that just based on one performance. Because Lamar Jackson. Yeah, yeah, because Lamar Jackson looked great. Uh, Looking forward to it. We'll get the other picks on Sunday morning, I'm assuming, on Sports Interactions Inside the Lines. Absolutely. Sunday morning, 7 a.m. out there in Vancouver. Get up early. We'll tell you who's COVID in and COVID out. Steve, we got 20 seconds here, but which hire do you like better? Do you like Salad to the Jets or do you like Urban to the Jags? I like oh. Salad to the Jets because I'm not a big fan of college coaches going to the pros. I know it's worked with Pete Carroll the second time around, but um, I'll go with a great defensive coordinator to the Jets. Yeah, yeah. I guess yeah. the comparisons to Pete, too. Uh, take care, Steve. Looking forward Thanks, to Sunday. Steve. Thanks, guys. Have a great weekend. All right, there he is, Steve Rapp from Sports Interactions Inside the Line. So he likes the Rams and he likes mm. the Bills to get things done. All right, 26 minutes after 6 o'clock. He's Perry Sokowski. I'm James Sabolski. Lots to get to. Uh, the McDavid show on in full effect, and the lethal weapon in the National Hockey League was on full display. We'll get to that. Plus, we'll hit the music on Canucks and a Song. Get your submissions in now at 650-650 on the dunbar Lember text line at Sportsnet 650, your home of the Canucks. You know, I was like to take this opportunity to talk about myself. Seaball says on Sportsnet 650. All right, 633, Sabalski and Solkowski kicking it with you. And, you know, watching Connor McDavid tap dance around the Canucks Thursday night kind of had me thinking of that old expression that Kevin Harlan uses so well. You cannot stop him. You can only hope to contain him. Yeah, after McDavid was held scoreless in night one, the NHL's weapon of mass destruction was on full display, reaching a speed at one point of 37 kilometers an hour. And McDavid flying down the right-hand side, cuts in, shoots, and scores! Ooh, that was fast. I honestly think that McDavid could actually hit 100 points in 56 games this season. It's ambition. But you know what? It's a bet I'd consider. Which brings me to the Oilers in a big picture here. Sure, they have iffy goaltending, and the defense has more leaks than a Vancouver condo built in the 90s. But at some point, the best player in the league since Sidney Crosby won't be denied. 
The 24-year-old McDavid has endured failures over the last three years, has had to battle back from a major injury prior to last season, but his work ethic, tenacity, skill, speed, and his will to win is next-level elite. At some point, he's going to win. I mean, the law of averages says you will survive. Yeah. Every generational player the NHL has ever had has won. Rocket, Gordy, Orr, Gretzky, Mario, Sid, check, 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 check. Connor is in the on-deck circle. For all the ridicule that Edmonton has endured over the last 15 years, and rightly so, do you really believe that McDavid won't win a cup? The question isn't if, but when. The Canucks are talented, exciting, and fun to watch, but no one is Connor McDavid. That's not a diss. That is a reality. As long as McDavid roams, the Oilers will be a threat because we saw it once again last night. No one can dominate a game or fly for that matter like McDavid can. And at a time that the league has never been more skilled or quick, guess what? He rules the roost. When the switch is flipped, and it often already is, he is the NHL equivalent of Tony Stark picking up the Infinity Gauntlet and saying... And when the dust settles on this Canadian division, the reality is the Oilers will be a playoff team and McDavid will claim yet another Art Ross trophy. And that's this morning's Seaball Says. I picked the Oilers to win the North Division, but uh, was in a chat with an Oilers fan after Wednesday. And not that... Connor McDavid wasn't great on Wednesday. Make no mistake. We watched 120 minutes of the world's best player, and it's going to be great to see him eight more times against the Vancouver Canucks. But he, I don't think he can win it on his own, and I don't think he can win it with Dreisaitl. And the fact is, James, when you get to playoff hockey, let's think about it. I, I guess I can go and, and quickly count the hits. Connor McDavid come playoff hockey is going to get bumped and bruised every opportunity, right? It's not like that in the regular season. And by the way, it's tough to corral this guy even when you're trying to bump him, but when everyone's going, hit him, hit him, hit him, make him pay in the playoffs, it becomes that much more difficult. Will he win a Stanley Cup? I think so. But I'll tell you what, there were conversations in Edmonton on Wednesday because hockey fans are crazy. was going, you know what, if they don't get anything going, if their goaltending is poor because there'll be no easy nights in the Canadian division, you wondered how long, and they were thinking, how long is it going to be before this 24-year-old says, like, enough's enough. I've given you my best. I've been the best player in this league for three years, and we can't go anywhere. I need some help. I need some goaltending. So enjoy it. Wednesday, you would say he was great, but the team around him, they've done nothing. It's the same old, same old. Yesterday, a different story when he took control of the game. Well, I mean, look at last year. He played four playoff games, and he had nine points. Yeah. Right? Like It's just, you're right. Like he, he needs He needs some help in his own end, but at some point, these guys won't be denied. And, Perry, you saw it growing up uh, with the Gretzky years. You know, we saw it, what, it took about four years for Sidney Crosby and before he finally won a Stanley Cup and, you know, the struggles those first couple seasons. But eventually the generational guys, as I listed, they all win. They all find a way somehow, some way. And Connor McDavid, who came off a nasty injury, 
still had almost 100 points in 64 games last season. It's going to happen for McDavid. And that's why I had to put, when we went through all of our predictions all see, you know, for this Canadian division, you got to pencil the Oilers in for one of those spots. Yeah, and and they they have to be in just because of the two of them. I mean, Dry Settle I thought was very good in these last two games as well. Mm-hmm. And there are some players you just can't stop, as you said. That Kevin Harlan, which I think that came from Michael Jordan, in the sense that listen, he's always going to get his points. You just don't want him to get his fifty. He's always going to get his chances. You just don't want him to get a hat trick every night. Uh, it's great to watch. I think hockey fans have been knowledgeable enough to, even though your team loses last night, to go wow. That's impressive. Now they've, you know, they got the fact, geez, 37 miles, uh, you know, 37 kilometers an hour. You appreciate how fast he is, how good he is. You don't have to like him, but it's a different level of skill. And and, and I watched those last two games and think, really, is there ever a debate that, you know, Nathan McKinnon's the best player? Like you have that conversation. There's Connor McDavid and there's it. And and then, then judge everybody else who skates normal. But it's amazing how good he is and how fast he is and what he can do. I, it's that's that's a great thing. I watched him last night. Going excellent. We get to see this eight more times. Don't know if it's good for the Canucks, but I don't mind signing up to watch him play this hockey team eight more times. Uh, all right, six thirty-nine. Uh, we're gonna play "Stat Me Up" in just a little bit, but time for uh, Canucks in a song. Uh, get those submissions in. We've got a bunch already coming in at six fifty-six fifty on the Dunbar Lumber text line. Pair, I'm gonna kick off the music with my submission here. Where are you going? That I, I, here's where I'm going. The Canucks went 0 for 8 with the man advantage last night. There was way more urgency from the Oilers, case in point, Connor McDavid. The way that they were also blocking shots in their own end, neutralizing the Canucks offensively. I'll tell you what, the Canucks just weren't good enough. They didn't bring enough of an effort. So all I was thinking was Bruno Mars, the lazy song. Today I don't feel like doing anything. I just want to. Got to work harder, buddy. Got to work harder. Yeah, um, if they thought what they did, and they worked really hard on Wednesday night. That was the difference. And McDavid said afterwards, listen, we worked a little harder. Uh, We played with a little more desperation. They did on Thursday. That's going to be the case with a lot of these games. Um, You get upstairs last night, ready to watch this game. On that hour earlier, going, okay, last night was a lot of fun. You've got other teams making their regular season debut. You're checking the scoreboard. Who's doing what? By the way, I'm getting our listeners paid again. We'll get into our predictions, but I was I was on the money again yesterday, so I think I'm up forty dollars here. Uh, but then you see what the result was in Edmonton. I thought, you know, it's great we've missed hockey, but let's everybody relax. And I went with the classic. It is a long way to go. The long and winding road. We are going to love this team in some nights. We are going to be disappointed in the effort on some nights. And we will be back every puck drop opening face up because you don't know what we are going to get. It's not as long as it used to be. There's only 54 games left. But it is going to be a fast-paced half marathon this year. So be prepared for it. <laughs> Love it. Uh, Brian also, uh, the, the submission here this morning, going a little old school, public enemy and anthrax. Bring the noise. Turn it up. Bring the noise. 
Oh, man. Connor McDavid was certainly bringing the noise in full effect last night. Uh, let's quickly get over to Greg Ballack on the other side of the glass. You got one here for us, don't you? I do, I do. You know, it was only a matter of time. It took two games, but uh, the, the Canucks make no excuse. Uh, they, they will not be perfect this year. Because we lost it all. Nothing lasts forever. I'm sorry, I can't be perfect. Yeah, that's fair. Not bad, Balak. Not bad at all. I like it. Uh, 650-650, the Dunbar Lumber text line. What Canucks song What song sums up the Canucks' effort last night? Uh, Ron McLean from Hockey Night in Canada is going to join us coming up at the top of the hour. And in a moment, we'll crunch the numbers when we play Stat Me Up. Mickey Mantle making headlines in a massive way yesterday. We'll explain next right here on Sportsnet 650. Grab your calculators because it's time to stat me up on the starting lineup. Here's James Sabalski, Perry Solkowski, and the million-dollar man, Scott Brown. 648, James, Perry, and Scotty Brown from Fifth Avenue Real Estate and Marketing with us here on this Friday morning. TGIF, sir. How are you guys doing? Better than your Seahawks. Yeah, don't remind me. That one hurt. I actually couldn't listen to the radio for two days except for hockey. <laughs> as soon as the story came on, I turned it off. <laughs> you got your Canucks back, you lost your Seahawks, so you make that trade. Cause exactly, but I can tell you longer. with this Canadian division, something weird happened. Like, I watched it with our family, we watched the game last night. We're going to not like a lot of these other teams much more than last year at the end of the season. Because watching McDavid last night and respecting him, but watching him two nights in a row... I was yelling at the TV for somebody to drill him into the boards, but don't hurt him because I don't want to be a jerk. <laughs> like, in other words, don't injure. But the point is, that's going to be hard to watch. We, you know, we're not, not, not going to like these teams at the end of the season, I'm pretty sure, much more than normal. James, what do you got to get us going? My number this morning, 5.2 million. There's a drive to left center. Mantle digging hard. Still going. Still going. Great Oh, Mickey Mantle making headlines in a big way yesterday. A 1952 Topps Mickey Mantle baseball card has become the highest-selling sports card of all time after selling for $5.2 million yesterday. It was graded at a 9 out of 10 and sold to a guy named Rob Goff, who was an actor. The card has actually ballooned in price in the last two and a half years after it was sold for $2.8 million by NFL lineman Evan Mathis. There's only apparently six of these cards that like grade a 9 out of 10 for Mickey Mantle's rookie card. And get this, there are reports out there that say that there are three 10 out of 10, like perfect, pristine condition Mickey Mantle rookie cards out there in existence. And the value for each of those, more than $10 million. Wow. Should I know this Rob Goff, the actor who's got $5 million for Mickey no, Mantle? No, not really. No. 
So is that the baseball or cart? Are, the, are those nine out of tens and those ten out of tens the baseball equivalent of Infinity Stones or what? Well, essentially, I mean, you could buy yeah. what like, you could buy what ten uh, ten condos in uh, in Metro Vancouver yeah. there, Scotty, with a Mickey Mantle ten out of there ten card. There you go. Right? That's wild. Yeah. Well, we got two forty-year-olds playing on the weekend. I'm not going to talk NFL, but I, I have to go with a number that's forty plus today. <laughs> so. Uh, like I did at the start of the NFL season, I went through and digging in, and I, I, you know, saw it when we were kids. Didn't really do much. I'm in my first hockey pool ever this year. I'm ashamed to admit, um, and it's online. But I was digging around trying to find out why. And maybe you guys know, and I don't, but I don't see the NFL. Like the NFL, the NFL has their own app for fantasy that's non-betting, and then they have the the, the partnership one with DraftKings. I couldn't find an NHL sanctioned app for fantasy, and I'm surprised by that. Maybe there isn't one, and maybe there is, but. I looked at office pools and all that stuff and went back and did some digging. And did you know the first known fantasy hockey league was formed in 1981, almost 40 years ago, by Jay Arbor, the son of Coach Allender's coach, Al Arbor, and Neil Smith, who served as a GM of the Rangers. And it also included sportcasters Howie Rosen and Sam Rosen. But here's a more interesting stat. The longest documented, continuously running hockey pool was formed in 1980 by a group of students from Hansworth Secondary School in North Vancouver, Canada. It's known as the Hansworth Alumni Hockey Pool. 40-plus years of existence uh, when it starts its season this year on Wednesday night. I had no idea that that was born right in our backyard. Good research. Good research. Rotisserie. You know, you, you, wanted to, you wanted to stay away from that, that plus 40 group. That's where I'm going because my number is 585. Brady dropping, throwing, uh, caught ball. Chris Godwin, touchdown, Tampa Bay. Uh, I don't know what to do as far as how to lean if one was to wager on Sunday, but I do know this. It will be a classic. Breeze, Brady. The 585 is the number of combined starts that these two NFL superstars have. It'll be the first playoff game where combined the quarterbacks have over 500 starts. Man, you can go, ah, Tom Brady, there's no way he's losing. Drew Brees, you've come back, you got such a good football team. Enjoy the game Sunday. Enjoy the career that these guys could have. It could be the end if Brees loses, but they've been around. Never have two guys with 500 starts combined play to playoff game it'll happen on sunday scotty what do you got for some real estate numbers for us well to carrie's point about that game i do have a prop bet whether or not they'll shake hands after the game because <laughs> brady may, may go touch canes yeah uh i'm gonna go with 15 as in 15 percent growth okay so what's happened is we finally got our new stats and we talked about resale stats last year new is not all on mls so you got to do a bit more digging uh but last year the market did recover for new uh, it was up. The resale was up over 20. The new market was up 15% over the year, so almost 9,000 sales. 10,000 is where you're really in a good market. That's where we're going this year. Uh, interesting to see though where the top performing submarkets were. It wasn't the usual suspects. Coquitlam and Port Moody had the highest increase in concrete high-rise sales out of any market in Metro Vancouver. Oh. It's usually downtown, usually Burnaby. Langley Cloverdale had a 67% increase in wood frame apartments. And Central Surrey, Delft North Delta led the way in townhomes with over half the townhome sales in the entire market last year occurring in that market. The other thing that was interesting about that is normally high rise is the number one high volume product, low rise than townhomes. Last year, over half the market 
of all the sales for the year were townhome sales with people, you know, getting out of downtown, looking for more space, finally trying to buy a bit bigger home. So there was almost like 3,500 townhome sales last year. And that trend will probably continue, but we'll see the concrete high-rise products. With a little bit less risky environment, we'll see more high-rise in the market coming up in the next uh, several months. I tell you, uh, as soon as they put the SkyTrain in in Coquitlam, uh, I took a side road I normally don't take. You know, you see the buildings, they're high-rises, but you see, man, there's a lot of people down here. So, yeah, know, they knew it. SkyTrain would bring more people into Port Moody, Coquitlam. We've seen that happen. You're dead right. And then Port Moody's going to become like West Vancouver because it's got that. You get a height and all of a sudden you can see the ocean views and everything. The North yeah. Road is really, you know, the growth along the North Road is phenomenal between kind of low heat and all the way up to kind of Como and Clark area. Um, and it's, it's still affordable. It's on SkyTrain. You know, there's there's more and more shopping. But so we're a city on the move for sure. And, you know, it was, you know, another health, another surprising result, despite, you know, going in the valley middle of March to the end of June. Sports cards and housing. That is the uh, way to invest, I think, in uh, 2021. Uh, Scotty, stay safe out there, my friend, and look forward to next weekend. Yeah, have Thanks, a good Scotty. weekend. Go Canucks, go. You hear it, man. Uh, Canucks uh, back at it uh, tomorrow against the Calgary Flames on Hockey Night in Canada. We'll dive into uh, what we've seen from the first two games from the Canucks with uh, Hockey Night in Canada's Ron McClain next right here on your home of Vancouver Hockey, home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. <laughs> Let's get it going. It's time to get up. Eugene Hopkins, right wing, down low for Dreisaitl in front. McDavid all alone, he scores. Connor McDavid with the hat-trick goal as it looked like Demko made the first save. But McDavid follows up. These guys are here to break it all down. Oh, uh, yeah, he was good. <laughs> Exceptional. He's one of the best players in the world. So he uh, definitely played well tonight. He was a big part of the game. And uh, you can count on the, the other team raising their game the next game. And... I just thought we didn't quite raise ours enough. Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. <laughs> Not a big deal. This is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski. Three minutes after 7 o'clock here on this Friday morning. What's going on? James Sabolski, Perry Solkowski with you on the starting lineup. Uh, Ron McLean, Hockey Night in Canada, will join us uh, in just a few minutes as uh, the Canucks have two games in the books. One good, one not so good. On a night last night, I think people could legitimately lament, where's JT Miller, Perry? Well, you needed a spark plug in some sense. I mean, JT wasn't going to be there. They knew he wasn't going to be there. But he was the type of guy that when you just couldn't get it going, you needed someone. And and we saw it down that stretch during the regular season last year. Okay, someone's going to will this puck in the net, and it would be JT Miller. But, you know, put it on everybody who put on the uniform yesterday. You know, where was Zach McEwen? Where was Jake for Tannen? Uh, we needed more from Petey. I'll tell you one thing that was a nice positive was Quinn Hughes when, when Brock Besser got hit and Quinn Hughes, who wouldn't have done that a year ago, just said, no, no, we're all in this together and comes in, doesn't like the hit. Um, but you need a spark plug. You're going to find it. That spark plug can come in the form of a, a power play goal. Couldn't find that. But, James, it almost felt uh, going in that you hate to say the phrase must win – for the Edmonton Oilers, but we will see it uh, with every series we play. If you lose that first game, boy, you got to make sure that uh, you're ready for that second game because if you get on a little bit of a slide, and teams have said it, it's going to be a long road to make up. So, hey, go there, get your split, uh, and see what you can do against some old friends tomorrow against Calgary. Well, the the 
captain of the Oilers last night basically put the team on his shoulders last night, right? I mean, for, for what he did with the hat trick and just taking over the game, there's a sense of urgency. You know, Ian McIntyre made a good point uh, in his column here this morning that you can check out on sportsnet.ca. But, Per, with all these divisional games going down here in this all-Canadian division, the Gordon Downey division, everything's the four-point game, right? Every night yeah. it's the four-point game. The Oh, it's a four-point game. And the, the Oilers, to go down 0-2 to start the season, and those are two home games – it sounds silly to say, oh, it's a must-win game, but it just two games into the season. But do you want that? You know, when you only have 28 games at home this season, you kind of have to take care of business, even if there's no fans in the stands. You want those comfortable confines. You want to maximize those minutes at home. And there was way more of a sense of urgency by the Oilers last night, and clearly not enough for the Canucks that who failed to adjust after a solid opening night. They went 0 for 8 with the man advantage, and a lot of guys looked human. You know, Petey looked mortal last night. Quinn Hughes looked mortal last night. Niels Hoaglander, for all the good, I had a bad giveaway that wound up in the back of the net um, in the back half of the game last night that he threw one right up in the middle in, in their own end. Got kept in at the line by the Oilers, and there it is. Bo Horvat lose a critical face-off with two and a half seconds to go of the first period. And you know what? It's yeah, in the back of the net. Nate Schmidt hesitates for just a moment. Like all those guys that you loved watching on Wednesday night, you know, they had their miscues. And well, the Oilers made them pay. James, you, you never, you know, you never see or hear an NHL player talk about an easy night because as we always say, there's no easy nights. Honestly. There is no easy nights this year. Like you don't have a, a depleted Anaheim Ducks team coming into town to go, you know, if you play well, you'll be okay. Cause gear it up because you got Calgary and then Montreal is coming here next week. There is nothing easy. And everyone knows Ottawa won't be easy. So you're right. You can't afford to, to lose three or four in this division, because I don't know if you're making that up. That's why I wasn't surprised the Oilers come back. If you lose that first game, boy, the bounce back game is so important for the team that loses. Well, after a couple of very weird years on Hockey Night in Canada, this has got to feel like a shiny new toy because it's just all Canadian matchups every Saturday night. And Mr. Saturday Night himself joins us here on this Friday morning. Ron McLean from Hockey Night in Canada. Welcome back, sir. Good morning, James. Good morning, Perry. Actually, on that note, James, uh, on something totally unrelated, I was going back and trying to research a little bit a show we did in 2004 5 when there was no hockey for the entire year. We did the movie night in Canada, which yeah. we actually yeah. reprised this past spring, right? For the last couple of months uh -huh. of the, the springtime. But I, I looked at the first night of movies. They had a kind of an interesting template. They would show a family movie at 7 o'clock, a blockbuster at 9, and then an edgy or indie style film at 11 o'clock at night Eastern uh, on the CBC Saturday nights in 04 05. And I was hosting from various places around the country telling the story of either a minor hockey team or a, a women's hockey program or junior hockey, etc. So the first night, the, the two main films were Raiders of the Lost Ark and Jaws. Not bad. And Spielberg. Yeah. I, I remember we did, uh, we, did uh, we went down to Bright's Grove, the home of Mike Weir, who was, you know, right at the zenith of his career at that point. Yeah. And uh, that was a, a golf family night. Uh, so we had uh, Legend of Bagger Vance and Tin Cup and Happy Gilmore. <laughs> anyway, glad that's over. <laughs> and you're right, it is, uh, it is really good to be back uh, with the Happy Gang. 
I mean, our, our Saturday matchups are always Canadian teams, but, you know, we just got 120 minutes of Connor McDavid and get him eight more times. Ron, you have been around this game for a while. You have seen the greats. But am I putting words in your mouth to say you have never seen anything like him at his speed? Well, the only thing about that, Perry, is I went over to uh, Perry Sound uh, a number of times to do Bobby's uh, golf tournament, Bobby Orr's. And if you go into the Bobby Orr Hall of Fame in Perry Sound and just sit and watch the video, it's the same deal. It's it's one man among boys. Uh, his speed is otherworldly in, in that era. So I would I would liken him to Bobby yeah. Orr. Ironically, he's in that stable of you know as, as his agent Jeff Jackson is. But he for him to get that goal in 1.8 seconds, right? Not not two, not 2.5, but he actually got it in the net in one point. And when he explodes, I had to look at it ten times to see did he jump the gun? Did he did he actually enter the circle before the puck was down? And the answer is no. It's just that step is so ferocious that uh, I admire Nate Schmidt for taking the blame. But yeah, who who's going to figure that out? And, t- and takes it on a rebound in 1.8 seconds, right? Like With that's off hands. the draw shot make, rebound. Yeah, doesn't just swipe at it. Doesn't just you know he, he kind of processes, uh, and he does that all the time. Like even his hat trick goal where it's a rebound. You know, it's he, you can see he's just at warp speed in his thinking. So to have to have that acceleration and uh, those hands and combine it with a, a mind that keeps pace. Uh, but Bobby, as I say, I'll, I'll give or Gretzky was a whole different kettle. Like Gretzky was the, you know, I would say 10 times Joe Thornton. Joe Thornton has that vision. There's certain guys. I remember uh, Jason Allison. Remember Jason Allison? Yes. You know, sure. he, they, Great used junior to, they used to kid that on, uh, shootouts or penalty shots he'd get a delay a game penalty because he was a slow <laughs> yes. skater oh molasses on a cold day he moved yeah yeah and and howard chuck was not lightning fast but his mind was lightning fast and then there's certain guys that come in and you just think like how do they see that uh and that was gretzky gretzky had uh more speed and uh, better hands than than some of these guys with the vision uh, anyway mcdavid show was uh you know you, you could feel it from the the first two shifts i thought and, and perry you already referenced this edmonton had to have the game so urgency was an enormous factor in the game the shot blocking of the oilers the hitting everything was there they they needed to have a bounce back on home ice in that game and and it was clear in the first two shifts mcdavid especially the second shift uh, louis debrusque mentioned how edlard played 23 minutes and you know to have to play these two long shifts right at the beginning of the game in his own end uh, but connor went out and threw about three hits on the second shift i mean he was going to win that game if it was by fighting so it, it was an oiler need to have it and they did Ron McLean here on Sports uh, Sportsnet six fifty, and that I, first, just in closing on on McDavid here for a second. When you look at the great generational players, like the one thing is Ron that they all win, right? They all find a way to win. Whether it was the Rocket, whether it was Orr, whether it was Gretzky, Mario, Sid, they all find a way. Like at some point, you know, for as much as we look at the Oilers roster and say, okay, there's flaws, Connor McDavid's going to find a way to win the Stanley Cup at some point. I, I think so. It, it's usually five years, right? Uh, it took. Uh, I think it takes a, a key addition uh, to help a lot of the greats get over the hump. Uh, for Edmonton, I would say it was Ken Linsman. They had Messier, and they had now Messier. By the way, was a winger in in Linsman's time with the Oilers, so he he then moves into Ken's slot as a as the one-two punch at center ice. But if I look at Peter Forsberg and 
Joe Sackett, kind of struggling. They're two superstars. They kind of own the league, but they can't win. They bring in Erlois, and he kind of takes the pressure right off of them immediately. And uh, Brendan Shanahan came over to Detroit when they had Sergey Fedorov and Steve Eiserman, who owned the league, uh, and they couldn't find a way to get over the hump. Shanahan was the tipping point. Ron Francis was it for Mario Lemieux. Uh, that, that's the one thing that you look at with Edmonton. When are they going to find that guy? who relieves the pressure on Dreisaitl and McDavid. Uh, it's, it's really important to have that third cog. You know, in the case of the Islanders, Bossy and Trottier, they had Potvan. I think you need the tridentus, uh, Kevin Bieksa would call it. Uh, so uh, we just kind of watch that team. And goaltending is the other obvious. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, there's no doubt Koskinen played a really strong game last night. Vancouver, you know, they, they were on their uh, heels because of McDavid. Uh, and they, as I think Schmidt referenced it in the second intermission, were just giving him too much time through the neutral zone to get his speed up. We've got to get on him earlier, and I've got to pay attention. Um, but, you know, that that... That's the big thing that the Canucks did do is get 40 shots on goal, and there was the 29 blocks by the Edmonton. So they weren't out of it. They, they, without JT Miller and and second game in two nights on the road, uh, it wasn't a horrible performance. It was just a case of the best player in the game got them that night. Well, Ron McLean joins us as he does and will every Friday during the hockey season. Uh, first time we've had a chance to talk to you. We've been talking about Niels Holglander for weeks here now. Your chance to see him a couple games in a row. I know it's such a small sample size, Ron, but it, it just seems like maybe, maybe they have another one here. I, I think they do. I, I love, you know, what I saw in him, he, obviously he can fly, uh, but he's got that puck protection. It's funny, when I watch Line A, don't take offense, but Elias Patterson and Line A skate somehow to my eye. Uh, with with a similar way, uh, and and that just means they're a product of the you know Finland and uh, watching one another, and uh, there's certain elements of uh, even though one's a Clydesdale, you know, and one's a Greyhound, uh, or I don't know what an edgy or uh, agile dog, maybe a Border Collie, but uh, Elias Patterson's nifty, right? Whereas uh, yeah. I would say Line is a bit of a you know top end speed guy, uh, but that's what you see with uh, Hoaglander is that uh, Zetterberg style puck protection, and uh, just really. Very, very impressive. Uh, like what you've seen from the Canucks through two games overall, or uh, give me your impressions? Uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, I was trying to look at last night and think I feel bad for Demko because he didn't get the slot in number one. He had to face that uh, barrage last night, and uh, I'm glad it's a veteran goalie in Holtby, uh, not a young guy fighting for the job with Demko because if you're going to lose Jacob Markstrom, uh, and, and that that's the only that was the only observation I kind of had in my mind if I was uh, Travis Green, you know, running the goalies will be – a slight complication, nothing more. Uh, they're, they're an excellent team. Uh, I thought Quinn Hughes, especially in the first night, I loved his bite last night, right? I liked when he came in when Besser was yeah. hit high by Ryan Nugent Hopkins. I also liked Tanner Pearson on the on the topic of bite. There was just a moment in the first when Kyler Yamamoto, I think it was the first yes. night, anyway, Kyler Yamamoto sure. set up in the crease, remember? Yeah. And in comes uh, Tanner Pearson in a moment of disdain and just sort of pushes him out of there. And so they've got, for me, they're they're everything. I love Bo Horvat's leadership. Uh, I, I just I know he got cleaned on that draw, but uh, he he's just I, they're just a really really fine team. You know what? When when you see uh, how the U.S. won the World Junior Championship, uh, it was they they try to say it. Often the American teams will break down on getting individual because they're from you know mass population there's such competition for identification and recognition in that one program down in michigan anyway they they sometimes get a little bit running around as individuals uh, but when they don't when they do adhere to their motto which is five sticks is better than one 
they're formidable, and they were against Canada. Came up against them in a in a you know first time they really faced that kind of a adversity, and the Americans just stuck to their guns and and their program and their and their strategy. You know, it's very much like Alain Vigneault coach teams with with the heyday of the Canucks there, and I see it again all the time with Vancouver. I, I feel they're. You know, they've got so many quality guys, whether it's Mott or Beagle or Sutter, who do the footwork, uh, and then they've got all kinds of uh, offensive gifts. So, yeah, they're they're a great team. It's going to be, like you were saying before the break, you know, we're going to learn to hate McDavid <laughs> if you're a Canucks fan, etc. Uh, just the rivalries, the familiarity, breeding contempt is going to be wonderful. Well, and, but it's going to be great to embrace how good every team in Canada is, Ron. Yes. Isn't it? I mean, it, it was amazing how it started with Toronto and Montreal. We haven't had you on uh, since the season. Uh, did you, I mean, can you favor anybody in this division? How do you see it? Well, uh, no, I, I can't. because I, I need to see, uh, you know, Demko and Holpe uh, versus Markstrom. Small thing, but like Tanev looked great in Calgary last night. I don't know if you saw any of that. Um, so he's a miss, but then Hammond, I thought he acquitted himself really well. So and they get the right-hand shot defenseman with good vision. So they're they're established. I I am waiting on Edmonton. I, I just feel like you already said McDavid. You you just know that's that's a cup. Oh, having said that, uh, Colorado. You know Bowen Byron's performance at the World Juniors again. I mean he is your one A engine, uh, but they already have the one A engine in you know Makar. Mm-hmm. So. And they've got McKinnon, uh, and that team doesn't have the goaltender. They're like Edmonton, right? They're the same. Those two teams, I feel like, are the greatest uh, potential to to suddenly turn a switch. But they need to get the save. And then Toronto, uh, their questions obviously in their own zone a little bit. Um, Montreal's really built a, a nice team for themselves, but I don't think they're in the category of uh, uh, Vancouver, Edmonton, Toronto. And then and then I look at Winnipeg, and I, I kind of want to watch them carefully because I think. Bringing Stastny in to get Line A untracked uh, gives them a really great top six, um, and I just think they are they are worth paying attention to once again. Uh, I think the Jets will be the fourth team. Uh, I want to bring it over to Montreal here for a second, and our former uh, Sportsnet colleague uh, Nick Kiprios was reporting that uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois' preferred choice to land for destinations is Montreal. And, All right, I take back everything I said, and I now pick <laughs> Montreal. <laughs> well, and, and you know what? And it's funny, like, you know, I guess apparently, according to Kipper, the, the ask is that they want Suzuki and then something else along with that. Um, Sorry, Ross, I missed it, James. Who did you say? They were saying that they want, apparently the Jackets want Suzuki plus oh, okay. a, plus something else along those lines. But, uh, you know, if you go back, what, the last quarter century, I think, Ron, like Montreal has chased and coveted that next French Canadian star for the market, and they just have not been able to find it. I don't think any free agents have really wanted to go there just because of the volatility in the market. But I mean, would you make a move like that to try to bring in a guy like Dubois for Montreal? Like, if you finally have a French player that wants to go to Quebec, I mean, do you do I would. whatever it takes? Yeah, yeah. We're just talking through our hats here as a uh, three yeah. on GMs, but what I I know when Serge. <laughs> over Montreal Savard he's got a new book out called Forever Canadian really good uh, and that was his that was his whole modus operandi was to bring in French Canadian kids because he said they would be at the golf tournaments in the summer they would be at the restaurants they would feel uh, 
the, the importance of what it is they were doing uh, to the province, uh, and, and that responsibility would affect how they performed, and it worked. Uh, they won even unlikely Stanley Cups with, uh, with great French-Canadian uh, Quebec players. So I, I think for that reason that you just referenced, is, it's a good one. I also think he is cut right from the uh, Patrice Bergeron cloth. I think he's the, the perfect two-way player with great offensive uh, skill. So I, I would do it in a heartbeat. I, I love Nick Suzuki, but I, I think Dubois is uh, – is, he's just right there with Bergeron for me or Ron Francis. Uh, I think he could be the, the tipping point guy, so that would be a, an amazing acquisition. Well, and Kokanemi is, is one of the guys that they say may would have to go over, and, and we're just spitballing here. Here, Here's what I liked, Ron, because you, you talk of Dubois, and we mentioned Patrick Laine. I felt good for this young guy yesterday because you saw him kind of getting the, the hat that they give in the Jets locker room. Hey, he's made it very clear. Uh, and Berkey was with us yesterday. He said, hey, you know what? It's tough to have those players. But to me, if I'm a Winnipeg Jet now, and I see that kind of performance from Patrick Laine and go, hey, it is going to be a business, but we have no doubt when he comes into this locker room, he's there to win for us. Doesn't that yeah. say something about the player, too? I would beg not to lose him. I, I, I've always liked Line A, even, even when he would go into slumps, extended slumps. I think he is the hardest shooter in hockey. I think he's, uh, you know, he's a, a notch above Ovechkin. Uh, I, I think his personality was always that. You know, he challenged right away when Matthews went first. He said, yeah, well, he's nine months uh, older. He says, I'm the best player. He's always been a, you know, a bit of a guy to lash out with. And that's, we're in a bit of a transformational period where we're trying to allow for a little bit of that. I still think, you know, you, you can't forsake the family or the, the unit uh, for the sake of individual grandstanding. But I, I like him. I, I think he's, uh, you know, what he did on that uh, winning goal last night in overtime to, to make a play. It's like Quinn Hughes, right? The, the bravery of Quinn Hughes with the puck at, at his blue line. Oh, sorry, at the attacking blue line when it's a breakaway the other way if he screws it up. Uh, you, you just can't find many of those guys. So he's a fantastic player. If they, I mean, I really covet Dubois. So he's a center. That gives you, you know, a reason why yeah. you would maybe make that trade, line A for Dubois straight up. Um, but I, I think Patrick is such a threat. Uh, he, he will make the power play lethal. He does a lot of things. As I said, I compared him a bit to uh, Pedersen in his skating. I think he's a far better skater than many people realize. And Kevin Bieksa the other night was talking about Josh Anderson over in Montreal being like John LeClaire. And I thought, what a fantastic, what a fantastic compliment. Because yeah. LeClaire, I think I've told you the story when I refereed a preseason game, in a game with Crosby and Afeniganoff and Briere and a lot of guys, Adam Mayer was a big power sports, could fly. LeClaire stood out. LeClaire's speed was was really, really what caught my eye and I don't think we ever thought of him that way I think we thought of him of a big power forward that could yep. drive to the net because of his size but you know you've got a guy like uh, Line a who's got size and I think he's deceptively good skater I, th- I feel like we spend more time criticizing a guy who can flirt with 50 goals and he's six foot five than we praise the what he can actually do out there Ron uh what triple header uh, tomorrow on Hockey Night in Canada right or three games uh yes uh and doozy so you got Montreal imagine Carey Price watching McDavid last night I'm sure he's in hospital with shingles right now and I don't mean to be glib, but that, that, he's got to go in there and face them we've got uh, Toronto Ottawa play tonight uh and then we get them tomorrow night both games up in Ottawa and then we have the Canucks Calgary of course the nightcap looking forward to that uh, jacob marks fun times and, uh, yep. yeah fun times. yeah the, they both did they, they looked uh, tremendous uh, it was so weird it's like chara in washington and so forth it's been a lot of changes right but yeah good times as you say uh, have a great weekend stay safe thanks, 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 Ron. Thanks, Ron. 
All right, there he is, Ron McLean uh, from Hockey Night in Canada, weighing in with uh, his thoughts, and uh, should be a fun one tomorrow night as Jacob Markstrom and uh, the Vancouver Canucks uh, renew acquaintances. Uh, some interesting debuts, like last night pair. Um, Alex Lafreniere held pointless, just one shot in his uh, NHL yep. debut, and they get shut out by the Islanders. I was looking at just a couple of the a couple of the trends last night. Eric Carlson, right? Remember, sur- his surgery kind of ended his season last year. They haven't played in over mm-hmm. 300 days or probably almost a year since his season came to an end. He played 32 minutes for the Sharks last night in that 4-3 shootout win over Arizona. Over a half an hour! That's a problem when it's your first game of the year and you have <laughs> yeah. to play in that match, isn't it? Brett Burns right. played almost 28 minutes and Eric Carlson played 32. Like, yeah. talk about leaning How on your How balanced horses. are you guys? Yeah, not that much. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it's funny. We ask Ron what's on t- what's on tap, right? There's just no bad games that we will see here in the Canadian division. You know, you, you saw yesterday, uh, uh, you know, Anaheim hanging for a couple periods with with Vegas, and you just go, no, Vegas is a better team. There will be some – there's no easy nights, but there will be some less impactful nights for some other teams in different divisions, but you're not going to find that here. I, I can't wait to see Ottawa play. I, I think that'll be fun. I, I don't – no pro athlete likes to kind of go, yeah, you don't have a chance. Really? I think they're out to prove some things to go. We're going to be stealing some points all year long in this North division. Well, and you know what? That's uh, 4 o'clock today. Ottawa plays their first game in 310 days. Uh, They welcome the Leafs uh, into the nation's capital later on today. All right, 25 minutes after 7 o'clock here on this Friday morning. He's Perry Silkowski. I'm James Sabolski. JT Miller certainly sorely missed by the Canucks last night. Our own Sat Shaw reporting on just when we might see Miller back in the lineup. We'll get to that and much, much more. All still ahead right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. This is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. Here's your Canucks in a song. 650, 650, uh, the Dunbar Lumber text line, uh, taking your submissions all morning long. What song best sums up the Canucks' effort last night? This one coming into us, you can't always get what you want. Yeah, nice shiny thing and a victory on Wednesday night. Mark a correction last night as Connor McDavid takes over. James Sabalski, Perry Solkowski kicking it with you until 9 o'clock this morning. And uh, we got a few of them coming in here, Pear. How about... Uh, how about this one? Uh, life in the fast lane. Life in the fast lane. Drops it for McDavid in full flight. Here's McDavid down the right wing around Edler in front. Wow. He scores. Yeah, that kind of sums McDavid up the uh, speed. The speed burst of Connor McDavid last night. Yeah, I, I had uh, we played my long and winding road because it just it, it's going to be a long time. But that's a great submission because uh, that's a fast lane that not a whole lot of people are allowed and can get into 37 kilometers per hour at top speed there. You know, Ron made a great point too. You talk about that backbreaking goal to end the first period. Well, that's there because of the step, right? Oh. It's that first step. that's almost like offside. You're getting that jump in football. Uh, he did it that quite. Yeah. He plays in a completely different lane and yeah, it sucks when he beats your team, but if you love the sport, it's great you get to see him eight more times against your team to see how do you deal with it? How do you slow him down? No one in the NHL has figured it out. 
Yeah, Canucks fans now know how the Titans fans felt last week dealing with Lamar Jackson uh, for the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, how about this one? East Van Tommy going with the Beach Boys. Don't worry, baby. <laughs> Good submission there. You know what? They'll be okay. Scores from that point with a hard slap shot. The Canucks are on the board. It's Nate Schmidt's first in blue and green, and it's two to one. Yeah, Nate Schmidt getting his first last night, and that kind of flies under the radar because of the fact that Connor McDavid absolutely took over the game. And I'll tell you what, Pear. Uh, you know, we touched on this at the outset, but last night was a night that you looked at the ineffectiveness of Elias Pettersson and Brock Besser in the lotto line playing with Jake Bertanen. Bertanen played just 10 minutes last night, quickly taken off that line because of his ineffectiveness. JT Miller was missing last night. Now, last night was a night you really kind of felt the absence of JT Miller. You're going to win a lot of games because of the skill this team's had, James, but Sometimes you need a spark. And, and to me, JT Miller was always a spark. He would will this team and say, let's get going. Um, and if you can't get it with a power play goal and they couldn't, there was no one to do it. I've been a big proponent of, of Zach McEwen and the energy that he brought to this team in the latter half of last year. Um, you know, seven-plus minutes, not noticeable. Antoine Roussel, not really noticeable. Um, there's a list of guys. Everyone was really good on Wednesday, balanced as a team. But you're right. There's There's been a few guys where they've been no-shows, and you need a little bit more. It's going to happen. It'll be curious to see tomorrow. Do you tweak anything? Do you sit someone? Do you bring someone in? Does this team remain the same after a loss? You have to look at the fact that they're going to play a lot of hockey, and you know where do you go? What What's our bet with Louis Erickson? That he scores, and if he scores, you're into a, a, a different hairdo. Is that what we ended up with this week? Uh, I said if the Canucks make the playoffs, I'll shave a Canuck logo in my head. I think oh, okay. we had. I think we had. I think we had lunch. I think we had. Lu- I think we had lunch on uh, whether or not Louis was mm-hmm. going to actually score this year. Um, not going to yeah. be shocked if we see him in a lineup. Right? Yeah, I don't think he's scoring though. <laughs> I think. I think the offense has completely gone uh, R.I.P. for Louis Erickson. But eh, we'll, we'll wait and see. I, I just don't think he's the option to get in there anytime soon. Uh, all right, uh, 7.36 here on this Friday morning. Your Canucks commute coming your way at the top of the clock. But how about this? You know, if you're a Game of Thrones fan, you're all about the King of the North, right? Well, Budweiser is ready to crown the King of the North this year in the North Division, the All-Canadian Division, the Gord Downey Division, and here to explain What's about to go down this season is Andrew Oosterhaus from Budweiser Canada. Uh, good morning, Andrew. Good morning, gentlemen. Now, I mean, everybody seemed to buy, load up on above and beyond with Christmas lights this year, but you guys are kind of taking it next level in 2021 with bright lights. Am I, am I correct here? Yeah, I think we're uh, taking advantage of a very unique moment, right, in hockey history with the All-Canadian Division. So we felt like it'd be a good opportunity to bring back Canada's goal light which is a 20-foot, 1,200-pound Budweiser red light that we used back in 2015. <laughs> Brought it out of storage, and we're going to give it to the winning city uh, of the uh, of the division, uh, this all-Canadian division this year. What were the stats again there, Andrew? How big is this red light? It's 20, uh, 20 feet tall. It's 1,200 pounds. Uh, it's designed to withstand minus 40 temperatures. So it's a big icon of goal celebration. So we think it would be great. 
as a reward for the winning city of this division. Uh, you know, obviously we want to end that Stanley Cup drought, so it will be that extra uh, boost for those the winning city fans as we get into the playoffs. So, so Andrew, you've built it just in case Winnipeg wins that it would withstand minus 40-degree temperatures, it sounds like. Yeah, I mean, well, <laughs> I've, I used to live in Winnipeg. I think it even gets to minus 47, but we should be all right. Jeez. Who is your team in Canada? Have you lived in Winnipeg? Do you have someone you're, you're rooting for? Yeah, uh, we, we root for goals. So I have to stay a bit uh, you know, neutral here on the Budweiser brand. So I, uh, we're going to cheer for great goals this season. And more importantly, I think we're going to cheer for a Canadian team to finally end that Stanley Cup drought. So that's why we decided to uh, bring back this giant red light, give it to the winning city, let the fans decide, which I think will be really interesting, where we put it. Uh, and we'll even give an opportunity, I think, for fans to have their name etched on the base of the giant red light so that it becomes an icon to help push us over the edge into uh Canadian team bringing home the Stanley Cup. So Budweiser basically creating the hockey equivalent of the bat signal here with a 20-foot light weighing 1,200 pounds. How can fans kind of take part in, and, like you mentioned, uh, possibly getting your name on the light? Yeah, I think the best thing to do is follow Bud Canada on social as the season progresses. Uh, you know, There'll be lots of different pieces of content that uh, will engage the fans. And once we crown the winner, the king of the north, uh, there'll be an opportunity through for fans to add their name, decide where it goes, and then hopefully go out and see it uh, if, if uh, the rules allow fans to gather. If not, uh, you know, this light will allow them to hear it from the comfort of their home as we celebrate goals in the playoffs. That's awesome. I, you know, it, it, it's one of those things we as fans just said, okay, where are some off nights? Certainly from Budweiser, you just thought, hey, this this isn't bad at all. This is a country that loves her hockey. You guys have been there right from the get-go with the red light. Uh, great initiative here. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, it should be. And, uh, you know, it's. Uh, I think we're coming up to almost 10 years of celebrating goals with the red light in different iterations. And, you know, this special season, I think we're doing something big. Crown the king of the north with a 20-foot uh, red light, and we're just excited to see which city uh, brings it home. Well, new meaning to the red light district, Andrew. Uh, thanks so much for this, and uh, all the best uh, as we get set to try to crown the king of the north, and I think a lot of us listening here this morning hope that uh, that red light is planted right in front of Rogers Arena here for this upcoming season. So uh, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Best of luck. All right. There he is, Andrew Oosterhouse from Budweiser Canada. As they uh, kick off the king of the north campaign, a 20-foot red light that weighs 1,200 pounds. Uh, joining us here in Sportsnet 650. I'll tell you what, Pear, if, if the – if the Canucks are ultimately going to <laughs> to win this division, they got to get JT Miller back into the lineup sooner rather than later. Um, at last night, Satyar Shah on the postgame show reported that there's a sense of maybe JT Miller getting back into the lineup sooner rather than later. Um, you know, there's it's been it was laid out great by Patrick Johnson in post media earlier this week that you know, hey, look based on all the health protocols here in the province of BC, you know, JT Miller is going to be gone for the next two weeks because of isolation, because of the exposure to COVID-19. But Sat was reporting that it might be something a little bit different. Take a listen. This has not been confirmed by the team yet that JT Miller has been cleared. Uh, my belief here is that the team is awaiting official news tomorrow. There could be some positive developments on JT Miller. Now, this does not necessarily mean that JT Miller is going to be able to join the team in Calgary. Yeah. But what it does, potentially, if he does get cleared, hopefully tomorrow, officially, 
then he should be in line to be back in the lineup when the Canucks come back to Vancouver as early as Wednesday. And that's kind of what I threw out there a couple of days ago. And listen, COVID, we don't know. No one's going to sit here and try to be, you know... Smarter than the virus. Smart, exactly, and try to predict things or whatever. But based on some of the things and how they've unfolded and on the daily testing and how they work with health authorities, there was always a chance that JT Miller could have be back by Wednesday of next week when the Canucks take on the Montreal Canadiens. Hopefully that is in line and happening. It is unlikely, however, even if he does get cleared, and I'm speculating on this, but based on the rules, he's not going to be able to travel and join the team without going through quarantine. So there is a bit of an issue in terms of him playing against Calgary. But the best news, of course, is potentially if he does get cleared tomorrow, no COVID for JT Miller, which is the number one concern. He's healthy. And number two, hopefully back in the lineup next week. So there's a possibility, according to Sat, that JT Miller could be back in the lineup on Wednesday at home against the Montreal Canadiens. I mean, pair, I guess trying to figure this thing out, this process, you know, BC, it's a 14-day quarantine if you've come into exposure. Yeah. Now, the NHL had their plan put forward that was approved by the, the province of British Columbia along with all the other health ministers across the country. And so... I don't know what the rules look exactly because I don't think there's been full disclosure on that. But when you look at the NHL COVID protocols, you know, JT Miller can't play this weekend in Calgary because you cannot travel more than a five-hour drive, right? So so that rules them out of Calgary this weekend. But if they're supposed to subscribe to the 14-day isolation from COVID exposure, then you'd be looking at two weeks. Well, JT Miller practiced with the team on Monday so in theory, you'd be looking at two weeks from this past Monday. So <laughs> I don't have the well, answers, and, but maybe yeah, we get you some get clarity. in. Is it a false positive? What was it? Has he tested yes. three days in a row? Um, I, I think what we learned from this is, is a if you have it or a false positive, and your team's on the road, I don't like your chances of joining them on a road no. trip. Right. Um, and then the question is this, James. So here we go. J.T. Miller, Jordy Banner, the first. Um, players to to have it happen during the season does it happen again we talked about the seattle seahawks how they went through it so well without COVID. but does it happen again to the canucks do we see this happen to every team in the nhl every team in the north division that's what i'm more curious of the odds would say yes it's unlike it's it's likely to happen but if you lose jt miller and you get him back next week when you're home you're right if we're talking about a hockey perspective they need him, uh, and and this is not the first time we're going to have this conversation where we can't be absolute. Here's when he's coming back. Uh, that's just the world of the NHL 2021 season. 100%. All right, 744 here on this Friday morning, your Canucks commute. Much more on this coming up at the top of the clock. Brandon Batchelor will join us as well. And in a moment, pair, no BS, my friend. Just PS, and you know what about pro golfers and pro athletes? You want honesty. Are they always playing to win? Not a chance. We'll tell you why. That's ahead. The official home of the Vancouver Canucks Sportsnet 650. He always tries to be ahead of the game. Harry was in front. Finding stories that matter. Sort of. We call BS. You want it. I want the truth. It's not BS. Just P.S. with Perry Solkowski. Not about the truth as we roll into this Friday, everybody. You know, in media, we like an honest answer from a pro athlete. Kevin Kistner is that guy. He's playing this weekend in Hawaii in the PGA, and he was asked, Hey, Kevin, you know what? I mean, you're a pro golfer. Every weekend you can win no matter where you are, right? Probably not. 
I'm not going to win at Beth Page Black or Tory Pines. Why show up? Because uh, we give away a lot of money for 20th. <laughs> James, I love the honesty. Right? How'd you finish? 20th. What'd you make? Yeah, about 110000 Excellent. Love it. So hey, good. Uh, Net- so good. Uh, Netflix announced uh, this week a bunch of new movies coming out for 2021. One of them will feature Vancouver with Ryan Reynolds. He'll be in a movie with The Rock. Of course, Dwayne Johnson, part of Miami University football. Warren Sapp with the Bucks playing well has been everywhere. He was a stud on that team. And I don't think he's looking for any free tequila from The Rock when he was asked, hey, how good was Dwayne Johnson as a ball player? He's an adequate player, but he wasn't going to make that play for you. You know what I'm right. saying? You know, he wasn't going to dominate a game, wasn't going to take it over, but he'd, hold, he'd be good enough for you to, you know, not lose the game for you. Right. I put it in that time. You know, I got to suck up to him. I love it. Hey, he wasn't very good. Wasn't great. Couldn't play pro. Went to the CFL. Wasn't good enough for the CFL either. You know, there's a he's got Dwayne Johnson's got a, a new series about uh, like Young Rock or something like that that's uh, supposed to uh, premiere on network television, where it's based on like it's a little bit like the Everyone Hates Chris uh, series, the Young Chris Rock. So it's yeah. basically uh, somebody playing a young Dwayne Johnson as a kid and living in this world surrounded by you know all these wrestlers and. Um, yeah, so that's you know man, what that guy's brand I, I continues to grow. Time's ticking. He's everywhere though. Like it's almost like Dwayne just pull back, but make your money. He's worked hard for it. He's absolutely everywhere. Hey, uh, in a couple of weeks we will see Braden Holpe's new mask. Great indigenous artwork done by a local artist. You got that right. You know, and Braden Holpe never needed to offend anybody with that mask that came out during training camp. This new mask is in collaboration between a Coast Salish artist and his Swedish artist who does the goalie mask. It'll debut soon. It's inspired by the legend of the orcas and the wolves. Hey, when social media came out with the picture of his mask, he had no idea that he would be offending anybody. He is not that type of guy. So it's a cool looking mask. And he's done it the right way, and I think everything will be resolved. Well, and so how much he had done, uh, you know, for inclusivity, inclusivity, uh, the LGBTQ community. Yep. Um, you know, but which, by the way, um, today is uh, Black Shirt Day as well uh, for a lot of kids at school and um, and all across, just to uh, just to promote inclusiveness uh, and uh, just promoting equality uh, for uh, so many racialized Canadians. So, uh, black shirt day for, I know the kids are all repping their black here in the house before they head off to school this morning. Uh, P.S. Uh, everybody loves food. Just give me the food. Wait. Did that waitress listen to a word I said? This steak is medium rare. I asked for it medium. And I wanted extra gravy on my mashed potatoes. Man, people are bitching already in Houston. How about a bad business decision? James Harden wanted out of Houston. Bitched about it. Didn't care. They traded him this week. Guess what James Harden is opening in Houston next month? His high-end restaurant. And people have been absolutely trashing it on the restaurant's website. It's not even open. Comments like, 
owner doesn't know how to cook it up on the court, doesn't quite have the championship taste. James, timing is everything, and I don't think Harden got this one right in opening up a restaurant in Houston next month. How many? How long do you give it? Oh, gosh. Like, he's got enough money that he could... I hope he doesn't have a business partner with us. He's going to go, oh, my God, what'd you do that for? I'll give it a, I'll give it a month or two. He's going to run it out. Maybe he'll go longer. But, man, honestly, if you're a Houston fan... if Come on, if the Vancouver Canucks did something and a player just said, I want out. Kessler opens up a restaurant a month after he trashes the team and leaves. Honestly, is anyone going there? Not a chance. Give it 18 months. Oh, wow. You're letting me go longer. He's got the coin. Months, That's yeah. no, and they'll blame COVID. no BS, everybody. That's just PS for you this morning. 754 here on this Friday morning. Your Canucks commute is just around the corner. Brendan Batchelor, the voice of the Vancouver Canucks here on Sportsnet 650, will join the conversation. Uh, we'll also look ahead and make our NFL picks for uh, the divisional playoffs this weekend in the NFL as well. Get those submissions in Canucks at a song at 650-650 on the Dunbar Lumber text line. All sorts of submissions already. We'll hit the music coming up in the 8 o'clock hour as well. It's all happening here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. <music> A cup of Joe and the Canuck commute. We learned a we learned a valuable lesson tonight about how you have to come out and play the um, game two and three of a series. I mean that's just you know we're gonna have uh, you know nights like tonight, but you can't you gotta be few and far between, especially when you play a team and put them on the power play as much as we did tonight. A five star morning on the starting lineup. It's your Canucks commute this hour here on the starting lineup, a presentation of Surrey Honda. Go check out Nasir and the gang at 152nd and Fraser Highway where you'll find quality and community. And Nate Schmidt uh, yeah, kind of summing up the Canucks effort last night that, hey, look, they just uh, they weren't ready for the blowback last night, Pear. Like, they just were not where the Oilers came out after getting humbled on night one. Uh, the captain basically saying, you know what? We are not getting our asses kicked in night number two here. And Connor McDavid, the weapon of mass destruction, absolutely took over and ripped through the Canucks D last night. There's no way you could look at game number two of a regular season and go, it's a normal game number two. And as Nate said there, we got to realize in a series, the second and third game, the level of desperation. And, and it felt silly yesterday morning saying, how do, can the Edmonton Oilers afford to lose? Can you play two at home and lose in this division? You can't. And we will say that a number of times. If Montreal comes in here and wins the first game, we're going to be talking about game two going, you better bounce back, man. You better bounce back. So um, to say desperate and hockey when you're two games in, I just think we have to get get used to it. And the players are going to get, have to get used to it going, okay, we beat them last night. If we do the same thing, we're not winning again because they're going to want it more. And to me, that was the difference. It just simply looked like uh, minus the best player in the world playing at warp speed. The Edmonton Oilers needed to win that hockey game. It appeared not so much from a Vancouver Canucks perspective. No, I mean, there, were, there were adjustments made by the Oilers and even just containing, you know, I'll say this, like the Canucks went uh, an appalling 0 for 8 with the man advantage last night, but they moved the puck around well, right? There was a lot of good puck movement. They just could not finish. And a lot of that has to be credited to the way the Oilers handled things on their penalty kill and how they played in their own defensive zone. They were significantly better. They adjusted 24 hours later. The Canucks simply did not. And, hey, look, they gave up 46 shots. Thatcher Demko, I thought, was pretty good last night. But to face almost 50 shots in your first start of the year, as Shaggy would say, zoinks. 
Well, I, I think it was uh, I think it was Balak who had tweeted out like, "What's Thatcher Demko going to do when he has a game and he has twenty two shots?" Like this guy goes to Edmonton and goes, "Hey, I usually get about forty shots anytime I play in Edmonton. Doesn't matter who it is. I mean, that's all he saw during the playoffs." And I thought he was good. Koskinen made some timely saves for the um, for the Edmonton Oilers. That becomes a difference, and we can talk about the power play and being ineffective in 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 a hundred and twenty minutes of hockey. I, I liked how they moved the puck. I'm not concerned about that. You could also go, "Hey, we were waiting for for Pedersen to be better." Ian McIntyre told us yesterday, "Hey, they had a big win." But Elias Pettersson wasn't very good in it, save for a couple of good plays. Uh, and I didn't think he was a dominant player again yesterday. Two games in, everyone will be better. It's just there's a new standard that this hockey team is playing to. Uh, and that comes with some great expectations that I think they're all welcoming to. That's for sure. You know, on the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650, there have been a few messages kind of trickling in here over the course of the morning that have echoed the same thing that you just alluded to here, Pear. Where has Elias been the last two games? Um, you know, nice puck movement, I thought, in the opener. I don't think he was bad. I mean, he had two points in the opening uh, night win. But last night, um, just a pedestrian night for Petey, right? And and you see the broken stick on the power play opportunity where he's teed up, ready to unload. I, I would just say if you're doing a head-to-head tail of the tape of your franchise player against your franchise player, that's a that's a standing knockout by it's a standing TKO I'd say for Connor McDavid after the performance of two nights collectively if you're going aggregate score Connor McDavid the better player than Elias Pettersson last night and hey look we know what Petey can do but we just didn't see it in those two nights Petey needs to be better well boy did he miss JT Miller I, I you know JT yeah. Miller is is the is the stir that that the straw that stirs the drink on that line there's no doubt about it but he's got to be able to play. Um, you know, the text line is hopping and someone to text in and say, I texted at the beginning of the week that uh, Vertanen will prove he is not a top six forward with Miller up. Should we be surprised that Jake Vertanen has not been good in the first two games? Should we be surprised that Jake Vertanen might take two weeks to get going? No, I, that's just that's just the way he is. And is he a top six forward? Well, you know what? Slowly, he won't be that guy. Hoaglander proving that he can play. Miller comes back. You know, Pod Colson, Jake Vertanen will maybe slide into that area that he belongs. Hopefully be a checker. But, you know, it was a no-hitter both nights, James. Like, can you remember a big hit? It pushed some guys out of the way. But, you know, McDavid, a hit on, on Hughes in the first game. But, you know, there was no one going, let's get something. And it's not just Jake Vertanen. Where was Zach McEwen with a little bit of energy? Where was someone jumping over the boards going, okay, guys, let's light it up. We, we need Ursel, something to get us yeah. going. Wasn't happening yesterday. No, didn't see that last night. And, and you know, I think a lot of people <laughs> got frustrated with Vertanen after just two games. And there you go, death taxes and this market being uh, frustrated with Jake Vertanen. Look, Jake Vertanen was playing out of his element. The reality is, is that the Canucks didn't want to give him that look uh, in camp in the top six for a reason. And he was going to be on the third line with Gaudette and Roussel had JT Miller been available to them, had he not been thrust into COVID protocol. Um, but Jake Bertanen, because of a depth issue, got put into that role and proved to be ineffective. Travis Green quickly took him off that last night after Jake only played 10 minutes um, and lost his spot and lost that opportunity. They gave Adam Gaudette a look playing along the uh, Pedersen and Besser combo. But here's what Travis Green had to say as to why he took Jake Bertanen off the lotto line last night. Uh, the line just wasn't doing anything. They, were, they weren't playing very well. They were getting – couldn't get away from the matchup that easy. Uh, 
David's line was spent a lot of time in our zone, so we tried to change it up a little bit. And there you go. I mean, Pedersen played, what, north of 20 minutes? I think Besser played around 20 minutes last night as well. For Tannen, just 10. And obviously... You know, Travis Green not happy with what he's seen from Bertanen after just two games. Like, that didn't, you know, for all the hope and optimism for people in Team Jake, that yeah. didn't take long. You know, the, the one thing we will never see, you got all those tourist T-shirts, uh, you know, stay calm, carry on. Uh, the, we should have a, you know, keep calm, carry on. Damn it, I can on Canucks Twitter because everyone freaks out, right? You, you, you freak out about everything. But, no, Jake's not there. You know what's interesting, though? Travis Green talking about that. Couldn't get away from the matchup yet before Wednesday. You know, what was his talk? Listen, I think Pedersen and that line has evolved in the fact that we can go best on best. What we will find out in these matchups in these series when you're playing teams nine and ten times, there's just going to be some situations where, um, you know, players just don't play well against others. I wonder if we'll find it. You know, McDavid couldn't get it past Holpe, right? Struggled against Holpe. Will there come a time in the last 20 games of the season, James, where we'll just go, no, we can't go head-to-head against these, this line. They've had the better of us over the past six games. You know what? We're going to make a difference. It's going to be Holpe against the Oilers. He's had their number, and I think eventually you differentiate and go, let's look at the numbers and how we've done in the first 30 against these matchups and change it, right? We just can't go alternating everything and go, no, this is the one team. We're not going head-to-head with. That's what you get when you play teams nine or ten times, the adjustment. Can I throw this at you? So McDavid has the hat trick last night, right? Obviously, there's no fans in the stand. But with the with the going rate of ball caps these days, are you, you throwing throw? a, are you throwing a hat out onto the ice? Yeah, I'm always surprised. Like, Listen, it hasn't slowed down. It, it, it never slows down. But you're right. What are you paying, 35 for a good lid? So you're talking almost 50 bucks. Like, if you're looking for a yeah. fitted, quality, kick-ass cap, and, like, I'm a hat guy. Like, I like my hats. There's no way in hell. Like, I, unless I am unless I have, like, a one of my running hats that I've just kind of sweat my you-know-what off for the last couple of years with that thing, then I might. But I'm not I'm not tossing that. But hat. you're not wearing a crappy hat to a game. That's a night out for you. That's right? the other you, thing. You've got your best lid on. Yeah. If you're going out to a game, like, are you, are, you know, are you repping your who-farted hat? No. I don't know, 650-650 on the Dunbar Lumber text line. Rintoul was chirping me on this last night, and I kind of put it out there on social. But honestly, in 2021, like in a regular circumstances going forward, if your guy gets a hat trick, we're all back in the stands again, and there's a vaccine rolled out, are you throwing your hat out there? Never been that guy. No, it goes to a good cause, right? It always goes to someone who needs it. So you can feel like you've you've done it. I uh, I'm gonna say the younger generation how they love their clothes. No, nah, they're not doing it. They're not throwing it out. Now you're in Edmonton. You got a toque. You're throwing a toque out there. Yeah, well, you know what? When, when there's a vaccine and everybody's uh, you know vaccinated, you can throw your masks out, right? If if you can and, actually get and, over the. And ice. all the times we have done interviews with the player, have you ever heard of an NHL player when asked with microphone or not? Man, where'd you get that hat? Actually, I scored a hat trick. Uh, it, was, it was a great game against Calgary. And it came over the boards, and I went through like the 400, picking and choosing, and I found this baby and took it home. Yeah, and got a scorching case of headlights as a result of it. Right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Brendan Batch, why don't we ask not, somebody? Right? Yeah, why don't we ask somebody younger who would I, – I, you know, Batch has got pretty good hat game from what I've seen in his pictures over the years. Uh, Brendan mm-hmm. Batch, the voice of the Vancouver Canucks here on this uh, Friday morning. Good morning, Batch. Morning, guys. How are you? 
Good, thanks. Would you ever? Were you ever a guy who threw his hat over the, you know, onto the ice for a hat trick? Uh, I have never thrown my hat onto the ice for a hat trick. No. Uh, if I was thinking about that and thinking that I wanted to, if it were to happen, then what I think I would do is bring like a, a burner hat to the rink. So you bring an old <laughs> hat that maybe has some paint stains on it or, or something like that. And you keep that in your pocket, and then if there's a hat trick, you can get rid of that one because you know you're probably not wearing it out on the town anyway. Company that went out of business, you know, throw that yeah, hat exactly. out or something like that. <laughs> That's yeah. batch. Better question: When you were working in the dub, you know, it's not like the paychecks are big. Were you ever involved in a game where there was a hat trick? Hats were on the ice, and then you're leaving the arena down by the ice, and you see forty hats, and you peruse them and see if you can take one home. Uh, I I. I definitely saw like garbage bags with hats in them from you know being in the bowels of the Pacific Coliseum after uh, yeah. after and you never went full on yard sailing. Oh, I'll take that one. No, no, uh, you know as Seaball was just mentioning, the head lice uh, issue was something that you know kept me away <laughs> yeah. from from dumpster diving for a hat. Uh, let's kind of dive into what uh, actually a ton of people have jumped in on this on the Dunbar Lumber text line six fifty six fifty. We'll get we'll get to the we'll get to the people in just a moment. But Batch, uh, you know, two games in, we've seen this a couple nights now here on the te- on the Dunbar Lumber text line, and people kind of going. Uh, I don't think we've seen the best from the franchise player, Elias Pettersson. Your thoughts? Well, I thought he was pretty good in the first game. You know, maybe not peak Elias Pettersson, but you know, he he certainly had an impact and. Um, and they won the game wasn't the best night for that line overall yesterday. And, you know, I think a large part of that was that Dave Tippett kind of changed his matchup and they had to play a lot more against Connor McDavid, who certainly looked a whole lot better than he did uh, on night number one uh, in in the second game last night. So, you know, they miss JT Miller. Uh, They miss his ability to take face-offs to help them gain possession off draws. They miss his calming influence on that top power play unit. Um, and, and, you know, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't the best game for Patterson last night. And, you know, it's rare that you hear Travis Green be pretty honest about, about, uh, what he thought of his star players in the sense that he's usually pretty effusive with his praise of his top guys. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he made no bones about the fact that that line didn't really do a whole lot last night. And that's why he was sort of rotating through different guys on the left wing to, to try and find a spark. So it's not something that, that I think people should be concerned about. Pedersen will be better. He knows he has to be better. It's still very early in the season. And, you know, I expect that line to have a much better game uh, come tomorrow night against the Flames. Uh, the interesting thing for me will be how they line up and who Travis Green thinks is the best fit for them on the left wing for at least the next couple of games before JT Miller can get back in. Do you think we see a new face already tomorrow? Yeah, I, I, the fact that, that Green, like like who ended up skating on that line? Mott had a couple of shifts on that line. Gaudette had a shift or two. Hoaglander played up there. Uh, to me, that, that shows that, it, that Travis Green isn't content with what he's seeing there from Jake Furtanen, and that may not be, you know, people always like to jump on and go, oh, you know, he's, he's railing on Vertanen. I think it's more just a stylistic fit that, that Jake doesn't seem to be the, the, the right fit on that line for whatever reason with his style of play. And, and so Travis Green is looking for, for something that uh, gives you a, a, a JT Miller light kind of feel, I guess. And, you know, Goddard, 
uh, has offensive upside. You know, I've liked the way he's played for the most part through the first couple of games. He looks more filled out and maybe a little bit quicker. Um, you know, Tyler Mott, you know what he's going to bring, right? Even if he's not the, the most offensive player, he brings you energy. He brings you work ethic. He can go and hound pucks for you and try and get them uh, to Besser and Pedersen. And then Hoaglander, of course, is another skill guy. So uh, that, that to me almost felt like an audition process for what we might see over the next couple of games. But, um, you know, with, with the way the lineup is right now, it wouldn't surprise me at all if Travis Green has things in a blender quite a lot until he can get JT Miller back in and try and get things settled down. The voice of the Canucks, Brendan Batchelor, with us here on your Canucks commute here on this Friday morning. Batch, um, you know, just a couple of human moments, uh, two guys that were just absolute uh, catalysts for the Canucks on Wednesday night. Uh, a couple of tough moments, Niels Hoaglander, um, you know, costly turnover in the defensive zone, trying to throw it up the middle. Uh, the Oilers keeping it at the line, put it in the back of the net, and then Bo Horvat with a tough loss in the faceoff circle right at the end of the first period. Uh, a goal that, you know, pretty much the entire team alluded proved to be a bit of a backbreaker, right, with, one, what, 0.7 seconds to go by Connor McDavid. Yeah, that's a goal that can't happen, right? And, you know, it's it's still an elite-level play by Connor McDavid. Totally. But- you know, there, there's lots of things that, that led to that, right? Thatcher Demko froze the puck when he could have tried to move it a little bit quicker, and then you get that final second and a bit off the clock when he had to smother it in his own zone. Um, you know, Nate Schmidt last night talked about the fact that he's he's got to have that play uh, and and make sure that he's in the proper position to prevent that goal from going in. And, yeah, you, you know, you need a, a key face-off win too. So it was just one of those nights for the Canucks last night, and, you know what, Niels Hoaglander is a young player. Uh, you know, the, certainly the, the first game was a great story. But, you know, for a young guy jumping into the NHL, it's not going to be like that every night. He's going to have learning moments. And certainly uh, that one sequence where, you know, I thought there were two different times he could have got the puck out of his own zone and instead it ends up in the back of their net. That's something he'll learn from and, and grow from. And, and the Canucks will have to learn and grow from the experience last night. And, you know, I thought that was something that Nate Schmidt was bang on about talking about after the game is, you know, you learn now what these two game sets are going to be like and how hard it's going to be to go into someone else's building and come out with four points when you play them twice. And so hopefully they can apply what they've learned uh, from the first set against Edmonton as they get set for the second set against the Flames starting tomorrow night. Batch, I was going to say exactly that. We didn't know, and neither did the players. We like to say it's game six of the season. It's almost like they will have to count how many they are and, and whether there's 28 or 24. You may as well count the season as sets, don't you? Because, you know, if Montreal comes in here and wins the first game, we're going to be talking about, boy, you better get the second one against the Habs because you can't afford to lose. It's going to have to be a different mindset from the players, won't it? Yeah, it's it's almost like a baseball mentality where you want to win the yeah. series or get the split uh, at the very least. And, you know, maybe if you win the first game like the Canucks did against the Oilers, then you can start thinking about the opportunity to sweep. But, you know, you want to at least get the split. Or if it's a three-game set like they'll have against Montreal next week, you want to get two of three and be the team that comes away with four points in, instead of two. And obviously, overtime in the shootout will kind of complicate that. A little bit, but you know, it kind of reminds me of my time in the Western Hockey League working with the Vancouver Giants because a lot of the times, uh, you know, when the Giants travel up to Prince George, they play them two nights because you're going all the way up to Prince George. So you play them on a Friday, Saturday night, or you take the ferry over to Victoria and you play the Royals on a Friday and a Saturday night. 
And for most of the time I worked for the Giants, they weren't a very good team. They didn't make the playoffs three out of the four years I was there. But most of the time, when you had those two game splits, they found a way to win at least one of them, even if the team they were playing on paper was a lot better than they were. So it, it wouldn't surprise me at all. You know, I saw you put this out on Twitter last night, Perry, and I agree with you completely that there could be some good money to be made for sports bettors on picking the team that lost game one of a two-game set to bounce back yeah. and win. Because, you know, in any league, the Western Hockey League, the National Hockey League, it's awfully hard to beat the same team twice in a row. No, it's good perspective, and you know that sense of urgency, especially when you're at home, right? And you lose the first one, um, that urgency in the in what we were kind of looking at as the proverbial four point game every night when you're playing interdivision rivals. Uh, hey, listen, uh, nice job, nice uh, sounded great, sounded like you didn't miss a beat after missing four or five months without a game to call, and uh, nice job, Batch. We'll uh, look forward to catching up with you again real soon. Yep, thanks, boys. Appreciate it. Have a good All one. All right, thanks, there he Matt. is, uh, Brennan Bachelor, who is uh, back at it uh, tomorrow night. Uh, as the Canucks uh, visit Calgary and the Flames. Uh, that is tomorrow here on Sportsnet 650 pregame show starting at 5 o'clock. And, um, yeah, I mean, hey, look, I mean, I, I don't think there's any denying JT Miller is a difference maker, a guy who you could make a strong case, and I think a lot of people did, that he was the team MVP last year. He led the team in scoring. I mean, he became a heart and soul engine type player, and not just on the ice, but pair in the room, you know, they, it wasn't obviously it was like hey JT who after night one but you know it's not sustainable to have success without JT Miller the way this roster is constructed to be a good team to be a good NHL player the one thing you say is consistency and and JT Miller had that consistency and I, I think sometimes we believe even even a Pedersen has should and normally does have that consistency, but it takes a while to get there. So expectations um, are so high for this team because you know they can do it, but they were they were more excited to play the Edmonton Oilers on Wednesday night than the Oilers were. They were grabbing those pucks. They had a work ethic that they learned back in August in that bubble, and they continued on with it. And, you know, Connor McDavid said, you can't play that Canucks team from behind. And if you can get in front, they know how to lock it down a little bit. But JT Miller is such a big part of it. But you have to find it. You have to have some depth. We are going to go through injuries. We're going to go through COVID as they're doing now. And if you lose someone in the top six, you need somebody to jump up. I had said and thought Adam Gaudet might be that guy to fill the void when he didn't have Tyler Toffoli, not thinking Niz Hoaglander could be that guy. So if we see that Gaudet experiment throw Sutter back at center, that might be logical. I just think if the Canucks thought of that, why wouldn't you have pushed that a little earlier, and and I know Gaudette was questioned in the offseason, can you play the wing? Well, I haven't really spent time there, but I can play anywhere because they still need to fill a little bit of a void. When they're healthy, great, but you're not going to be healthy for the 56 games. Uh, I want to get back to the Dunbar Lumber text line here at 650-650. A lot of people wanted to weigh in uh, with respect oh, to the hat to do so on, uh, on, the, uh, on the hat ethics for the hat trick. Uh, Andy, the Park Rangers, says Canucks should implement a sign-and-return-it policy you, you throw your hat on the ice with your name and phone number in it. Uh, the player that scores the hat trick again uh, uh, signs it and then returns a few of them. I like too that idea. Work, Seems like a lot of work. Oh, yeah, no, 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 no. That's, that's, a lot that's of work, not though. possible. That's too much yeah. work. Uh, right. you, another another text in here. You have to throw your hat. The smart play is when you your player has two, you sneak the hat, hat into your jacket. So you kind of hide it so you're not doing I know, it. Uh, someone said that. You, you bring the $5 hat, right? You guys ever think fans bring that extra hat to throw? 
I don't know, James. I've never been to a game and a and a hookup and have a beer no. with a buddy and go, what's going on? No, no, never two hats. No, never, a... never known, never known, uh, never known a buddy to bring two hats to a game. Uh, Church of Pedersen uh, with the uh, with the uh, advertising here uh, saying, hey, it's only twenty five bucks for a Church of Pedersen hat, uh, so <laughs> you can uh, you can get one of those. Uh, bring a second hat if you want to throw away. A few people suggesting that. Uh, there's only one way you're throwing a fifty dollar hat, and that's with a hundred and fifty dollars worth of beer inside of you that's from jeff and port moody mm-hmm. yeah i think like the drunk factor definitely plays into For a lot sure. of, yeah! yeah boom your hat's gone sure connor mcdavid's hat trick happens so quick he's gone man you're you're then I'm, listen man there's half a game left i'm not throwing this lid away uh paul with this one i just got the most recent draft hat for christmas and i remember attending a game burrow scored the hat trick without hesitating he threw it on the ice knowing that witnessing a hat trick live is so rare so rare. He's been to many games since and never seen a hat trick scored by a Canuck. Absolutely no regrets for Paul. That's it. Listen, he's got a clear memory. Great hat. Burrow scores the hat trick. I threw the hat. Let me tell you about it. I've never seen one since then. I can understand that. It, it makes for a good story and you feel like you're a part of it and you donated something that meant a lot to you. Uh, I'll give you that. Uh, Vance in the loops. No way I'm throwing my 50 to $60 headpiece yet. No, I totally respect that. Um, you know, uh, I, I think a lot of people factor in the booze, uh, the, the booze effect that seems like a great idea in the euphoria of the moment, but no, not uh, a lot of people, uh, a lot of people don't want to use those. So, uh, throwing a hat out there, not at those prices. Wouldn't even let my kids throw a hat, not at 40 bucks for a kid's hat. Also, Vertanen needs a change of scenery. Zach Cassian 2.0 needs a fresh start somewhere to become a top six. I don't know, man. I, I think it just like Rafi Torres oh. was that guy at one time, pair, right? And it just never really kind of evolved into that player in Edmonton, got a fresh start, and turned into a really effective hockey player. Uh, I mean, just ask Canucks fans during you know the Canucks Stanley Cup run. But, you know, Rafi Torres, just what he evolved into was not what people expected from him initially but he still turned into an effective player. I think Jake Vertanen is an NHL player. Just think that the notion that he is a top six player, I think that ship has sailed. Yeah, I don't think GMs are thinking of a Vertanen could come fill our top six. He's got many chances. Hey, I like the comparison. Um, you know, Zach Cassian is a guy that I'm sure the Edmonton Oilers would have said, okay, we needed a little more of him. He disappeared in the playoffs for him, and he wasn't that noticeable considering the opportunity he has in Edmonton too. So, uh, hey, maybe it's going to take the bigger wingers a little while longer to get going. Although the Montreal Canadiens would suggest that, no, our big winger is pretty good. He's only played one game. Uh, we wait and see. Listen, we are going to break everything down. That's that's the fan base. That's the reality of it. And they got schooled by the greatest player in the game who plays at a different speed. Uh, leave it at that. They weren't terrible. But sometimes their best players are going to win games for their teams. And it happened yesterday for Edmonton. Uh, two, two good ones. I got to share quickly here. Uh, Ross and Richmond saying a friend of mine's an ice cleaner or used to be, and said they used to pick through the best hats, <laughs> finders, keepers. And, uh, yeah. the happy drywaller on salt spring says the key is I to throw it. your buddy's hat. So <laughs> that, that always I've goes seen, over well. Right. Yeah. That I've seen. They score your yeah. thrilled. Screw that. Now then the fight begins. Cause he's trying to get yours, yeah. but no drywaller. That's exactly the move you make. <laughs> 
Hey, a good drywaller is important to know, so we'll keep that number handy. All right, 27 minutes after 8 o'clock. A lot of you also want to weigh in with Canucks and a song. What song summed up last night's performance by the Vancouver Canucks? Uh, we got a lot of music we want to hit to. We'll get to that, plus our NFL picks for the divisional playoffs this weekend. All that and much, much more. Still ahead right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. This is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. Here's your Canucks in a song. That's what the Canucks have to do in the eyes of one listener. Uh, come together. Dunbar Lumber text line open for business at 650-650 as this hour of presentation of Surrey Honda. Visit Surrey Honda at 152nd and Fraser Highway where you'll find quality and community. Lots of submissions. And Pear, where did you go? Where was your head at after watching the Canucks get spanked by Connor McDavid and the Oilers last night? Uh, so much excitement about opening night on Wednesday and how this team played. And, and yesterday morning, everyone just, hey, man, imagine when JT Miller gets back. It's going to be great. I assumed and, in fact, put some money behind um, the Edmonton Oilers to bounce back. And then as I watched it unfold, you realize I know the start is great and it's not 82 games, but everybody – just relax. It's going to take a while. It's going to be a long and winding road. The long and winding road that leads to your door. And I'm not going to say bandwagon off the bandwagon on the bandwagon. I think Canuck fans are here for the good, and it's been bad for 51 years. But the emotions of, hey, we're really good. No, so's everybody else, and we're going to see it as everything plays out this year. All right, so here was where I, my head was at after watching the Canucks. They just did not make the adjustments. Uh, too much standing around. Connor McDavid picked them apart, and uh, just not enough urgency. So I'm thinking Bruno Mars, the lazy song. Today I don't feel like doing anything. I just want to. Kind of felt that way at times last night, particularly for Jake Vertanen, who saw only 10 minutes of ice time after he was quickly scuttled off that top line with Pedersen and Besser uh, last night, and they'll uh, get set for Calgary. Uh, a few more other submissions here this morning, Pear. Uh, how about this one coming in? Uh, wake up from Maroon 5. Just I mean, as much as you love the performance and the effort and the tenacity and the hustle and the opening night on Wednesday, a bit of a different story last night. Yeah, and, and you hate to say the word tired. How can you be tired after the time they have off? But I think you get mentally drained, drained and the adrenaline, and 
you know, they were winning any puck battle, getting to pucks first Wednesday night. That wasn't the case because I think that wake up song could have been played to the Oilers Thursday morning and we better be better because uh, we have to get it. And then their star player did exactly that. So I don't know if they were lazy. I don't know if they're waking up. It's just the mental grind. Get into it. If you're at that level and you think you're at that level, prove that you can compete every night. It wasn't there last night. Uh, Brett and Delta with a 90s classic from the Verve, a little bittersweet symphony. You get a split in Edmonton, I think the big picture, you say, okay, I'll take that. You take one or two. I think it's just the way it kind of ends. You're kind of left with a little bit of that bittersweet symphony taste uh, the way they got outplayed last night. You wonder where five ho- 500 hockey puts you in this North Division, the Gordowney Division. Like, where does it put you? Because I just don't see anyone running away with anything. And as Brendan Batchelor said, you're playing three against the Habs. You're going, okay, we need at least two, right? You've got a split, so you leave Edmonton, you're okay. What can you do against Calgary, right? Is 500 hockey going to be a benchmark to success? Uh, I, I think 500 hockey in this Canadian division is going to be really good. Uh, good submission here. Uh, yeah, you're, and you're right. Like, I mean, there's, I mean, this is could this could essentially be like it's parody at its finest, right? Like outside yeah. of Ottawa, and I said this a couple of nights ago, I can legitimately make a case for all six Canadian teams outside of Ottawa to win the North Division, to win this all Canadian division. I can make a case for the Canucks. I can make a great case for the Flames. I can make a great case for the Oilers and the Jets and the Leafs and the Habs. That's the parody of this division. So what we just saw over the last two nights, I think your point is is valid. Like, get used to it because we could very well see you win one, you lose one. You win one, you lose one. You win two, you lose two. You win three, you lose three. Like, this is going to be a – like, everybody's got holes – Everybody's got question marks, and everybody's got elite talent on these teams in the Canadian division. So, I'm with and you. James, you you could take the schedule, and every time you play Ottawa, you could just play who are they playing? Just put trap game, trap game, right? And that's unfair to the Ottawa Senators. But if if we're talking trying to to make sure that you have a series and are going to get splits. It's not a night off, but you're going to go, boy, you can't be thinking about the Habs. You've got the Senators, and the Senators, your people go, oh, we lost those points. We, those points to the Senators, we lost six points to them if we could turn it around. And they're good. They're a good, young, energetic hockey team. But it's almost like if the, if the Leafs got them tonight, Leafs lose, they're going to, boy, where are we going to make that ground up, right? It uh, It's just going to be so fascinating to see not only game one because you're excited to start the series, but depending on the result, how do you bounce back if you've lost that first one? 100%. Uh, this one sums up Connor McDavid's performance perfectly here on the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. It's Elton John's Rocket Man. Rocket Man. Connor McDavid is flying like that down a residential street here in Metro Vancouver. That's a speeding ticket if you're going 37 in a 30 zone, Perry. The great thing about that play, uh, and, and Tyson Berry being the new guy, Dreisaitl sauces little Ed Jovanovski backhand sauce, as we like to refer to as Eddie had that play in the Salt Lake Olympics. Uh, but I think Dreisaitl knows McDavid's back there, and it's it's Tyson Berry who's trying to knock the pass down, 
thinking, oh, geez, why did he fling that so high for me? It's just supposed to be your basic drop pass. And if you look at Tanner Pearson on the blue line, he's thinking, oh, that pass didn't work out well. And, and meantime, here's the, here's the freight train coming from behind. It's just, hey, we'll watch that play. We will see that play for decades just to see what a guy can do at 37 kilometers per hour. Uh, brain, hands, feet, all working in coordination to, to get that goal. Uh, I got a submission, uh, Hope, from Shaggy. Uh, also, nothing wrong with a little Shaggy. 100% on a Friday morning. I was going to say maybe it wasn't me inspired by, uh, you know, Jake Bertanen or uh, maybe Bo Horvat for losing that draw late in the first period. Uh, a few other good submissions here, Pair. Uh, relax from Frankie Goes to Hollywood. <laughs> it's two games in. Uh, very good. Uh, Anton suggesting that uh, a song for uh, tomorrow moving uh, into uh, Calgary is Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go. Wake me up before you go, go. And uh, Jay from uh, the Rockland Boys suggesting that uh, Don't Worry, Be Happy from Bobby McFerrin is another one. So uh, it's, hey, look, um, it's two games in. You're one and one uh, and get used to it. But tomorrow night, there should be plenty of motivation on both sides of the equation. Chris Tanev and Jacob Markstrom welcoming the Vancouver Canucks. They're old buddies. They're old BFFs pair into a hostile, well, a vacant hostile arena tomorrow night. <laughs> How quickly it'll be fun tonight, tomorrow night on social media. Uh, can you imagine if Jacob Markstrom lets in something easy at some point? Hey, a couple of the goals weren't weren't fantastic, and I think maybe people watch Calgary Flames games and or highlights now and going, oh, "How did Marky get beat? Was that a softie? Oh yeah, yeah. What though could you have? A lot of pressure. I, I think it'll be great for them to play them. I, I don't know if eventually. I mean, I'd, I'd rather watch the Edmonton Oilers, Connor McDavid play more. But the battle that we will see with Calgary and Vancouver and to see what kind of a difference Markstrom can make and, and make no mistake at the other end, whether it's Demko or whether it's Holpe, it's like, yeah, no, they they gave you the money and everyone thought that was the wrong deal. Watch me, uh, you know, shut the door here. So fascinating to see these next two play out. Uh, 842, uh, we've got four matchups in the NFL in the divisional playoffs coming up this weekend. We'll try to get you paid and pick some winners. And uh, you got to hear what Charles Barkley had to say when it comes to vaccines oh, and man. athletes. <laughs> the hottest take of the week from Sir Charles, and that's all ahead right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. This is the starting lineup with Jim Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. 847. All right. Uh, NFL picks for uh, the divisional matchups uh, this weekend. All four games. Sabolski and Solkowski. Uh, just a few more minutes before we turn things over to the Scott Ring Tool Show coming your way at the uh, top of the clock. Uh, but Perry, I, I got we got to share this with uh, maybe the hottest take in a long time when it comes to uh, vaccines that are being rolled out. And uh, here's what Sir Charles Barkley had to say uh, with respect to the vaccine and that athletes, uh, hockey players, basketball players, football players should all get it before others. And here's why we need 300 million shots. I've given a thousand to some NBA players. What about what about NFL? NFL. I'm just gonna raise it. NFL players, hockey players. Uh, listen, as much taxes as these players pay. Let me repeat that. As much taxes as these players pay, they deserve some preferential treatment well, uh, for for life and death. 
Yes. The, the amount of money you make. Uh, no, no, I said taxes. The amount of, I didn't, I didn't say the amount of money you make. Well, that's I'm fact. Say, that's no, on no, no. taxes. That's I'm saying on the taxes. amount of taxes these guys pay. <laughs> Where was Charles going there, right? I'm not saying, you, know, you mean the amount of money they make? No, 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 the amount of taxes they pay. Charles, it's the same thing. Like, man, he just dribbled himself into trying to get out of that one. Throw your elbows. America, there's probably some people that agree with him probably in the States, so I don't think that's happening. Well, and just think about the reaction going back a few weeks ago when there was a, a tweet posted by a former uh, yeah. uh, former Sportsnet Hockey Insider John Shannon saying that the NHL is going to explore uh, purchasing vaccines. And <laughs> suddenly it was like everybody was like, what? Jumping the line? And within moments, people lost their collective poop emojis until it was clarified that, hey, once, you know, private vaccines are available, they have no intention of jumping the queue. But, uh, Charles, I don't think that would go over well at all. But I love Charles Barkley, but, man, that is an awful take. Just an absolutely horrendous take. Uh, well, all right. When the rebut is life and death, you go, oh, yeah, Charles, that's what we're talking about. So, yeah, that was a bad take. <laughs> Okay, let's try to get you paid. A little show me the money here. Uh, we both got you paid last night uh, with our NHL picks. Uh, how about this weekend? Pal, I haven't uh, missed yet. If people have been listening to me, I've doubled your money the last two days. I'm one and one. Uh, Rams and Packers. Packers, it's uh, minus seven uh, going into uh, the weekend. Yeah, and this is this is the one game I feel comfortable with. I, I, I like that Rams defense and what they did. I'm not sure how healthy they are. Uh, even offensively with Cooper Cup and his knee. Uh, I just think Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers right now, even if Devontae Adams is shut down, uh, I will play, and I'll do it when we're done. I'm going to take the Packers to cover. You know what? I like the Packers here too, and yes, it's a great D by the Rams, but you know, LA's playing in cold weather here. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is getting shut down the way that Russell Wilson did last week, not with the way he's played this season. And you know what? Jared Goff just can't keep up. You know, even if he has Rams defensive help, like Jared Goff cannot keep up offensively the way he's played. And the fact that he's subpar, he's dealing with a busted thumb and had surgery a couple of weeks ago. Give me the Packers. Uh, Bills minus two and a half uh, at home to the Baltimore Ravens. Bills have won seven straight, 10 of the last 11. They survived a scare last week. Um, I'm saying this. I'm taking the Bills. I look at what the Ravens have done as of late. They've won six straight, but you know what? Four of those wins late in the season, Cincy, the Giants, Dallas, Jacksonville. Lamar's a problem, but I think the Bills have a date with KC, and I think they're going to cover it. Comes to betting, the Bills have been very good to me. I like that football team, but I think they had their celebration last weekend. Baltimore's finding a way after last year's disappointment. They weren't great in the first half, but they figured it out. They knew what they had to do to win in Tennessee, stop Henry. Defense a little bit underrated. They're good back there. I'll take Lamar Jackson, even if it's in bad weather. And I have to do it because, James, two weeks ago before the playoffs started, I said, I'm going to take Baltimore as my dark horse to win a Super Bowl. So they have to win in Buffalo. Bills have been susceptible, giving up some runs. So uh, we'll see how that plays out. Uh, Sunday, Chiefs and Browns, Kansas City by 10. You know what? The Chiefs are horrible against the spread. Give me Cleveland here. Uh, Kansas City's going to win this game, but Cleveland, I think, is going to cover the number. I'll do something that I've done for the last eight weeks. They are absolutely terrible, are the Chiefs covering. And every week I go, they could put up 45 in the first half. 
And I'm going to go with that again. Much like I said, the celebration for Buffalo, Cleveland's got their big win. They beat the Steelers. One of the most watched football games in the last 10 years. I don't think they have it again with them. I'm going to take Pat Mahomes and a week of rest to go. Let's put it on them and say that this one won't be close. And I'll give the win to the defending Super Bowl champs. Okay, uh, round number three between the Geezers at Caesars, Brady and the Bucks uh, against uh, Breeze and the Saints. The Saints, uh, three-point favorites here. Yeah, you know, this one is, I'm just going to say Tom Brady's the GOAT. And if I can get him in points, I'll play him. This I, I'm not going to touch this one, but for the sake of this show, I'm going to go Tom Brady and the Bucks. You know what, Brady, 22 touchdown passes in his last eight games, just one pick in the last six. Tampa's due. I don't think Tom's going 0-3 against Breeze. I think they're going to find a way, and I think Tom's finally figured out this offense here over the last uh, two months. So give me the uh, give me Tampa to get it done against uh, the Saints in a controlled climate in the Dome. Uh, we got to get out of here. Hey, lots of Canucks action going on all day here on Sportsnet 650, and this is also the place to be this weekend as the Canucks are back at it tomorrow against the Calgary Flames. The Scott Rintoul Show is next. Lots of football pair, lots of hockey. Man, suddenly everything is happening. Everything feels normal. Uh, yeah, uh, we've had a lot of family time, as has everyone. Put yourself in front of a TV for a while. It's going to be a great weekend. <laughs> Ignore your family. That's what Perry's saying. Have a great yeah, weekend, exactly. everybody. <laughs> Talk to you Monday. Same bad time, same bad channel. On your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.